Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. There wasn't enough mixed messages and confusion with regards to traveling or not traveling. You can also throw in the school planned reopening in September in there because many schools, from the small little ones right up to Leaving Cert, etc., etc., feel that uh, any kind of physical distancing means that not everybody will be able to go back uh, to school. So the advice on distancing for many schools is just not doable. The Echo leads with that this morning. The examiner has stories on it as well, as does the mail. The mail says schooling at home uh, will feature for more people, and that will cause an awful lot of turmoil in September for couples who have to go out to work. So it'll be a crisis big time for working parents as the new guidelines are revealed for September. Published yesterday show that many pupils are expected to return, a lot of them only part-time, uh, so that means there's going to be all sorts of crises in the home with working parents and childminding. Uh, the Echo this morning says the new advice recommends a distance of one metre maintained between desks or between individual pupils from third class upwards at primary level. Uh, so that's third class upwards at primary, right across uh, secondary or what have you. And Aaron Wolf amongst um, the... Uh, Schools that are saying this isn't doable. He's the acting principal at Colostra, Eamon Reach, says that class sizes at second level include as many as up to 30 pupils. How could you do that with a metre between them? So foreign travel also is uh, the confusing aspect of that one. I'll have some more on that uh, in a a few minutes' time. But uh, if we don't open the borders, of course, and allow people to fly in from Europe or further afield, I mean, you could be talking about as far as Australia and America, then our tourist industry is absolutely knackered. The Irish holiday makers eager to take to the skies are photographed in the red tops eagerly. So uh, that's wrong. It's not eagerly, actually, more like cautiously walking through Dublin Airport yesterday. And there's photographs of that in the mirror. Uh, they're wearing their face masks and they're keeping their distance and stuff like that. You couldn't say the same at that, uh, that Sinn Féin funeral there recently, could you? But passengers insisted that they could no longer be locked up in Ireland and they're heading for the sun. Foreign travel risks undoing all of the progress made so far. Actually, there was a stat that I got this morning somewhere that said that 16% of new positive cases in Ireland last week came from overseas travel. But that 16% is like six people. But only one is enough, actually, to spread it, as the fellow says. And then the reopening of the pubs that have, uh, that have food. And I saw a fabulous video yesterday of the new um, top deck of Clancy's. It's absolutely fantastic. An open air garden patio on the roof. It looks mega. So Cork pubs are celebrating a successful reopening. But uh, Paul Montgomery, who runs Clancy's on Princess Street, features in the Echo. He says businesses have got off to a great start, but the customers were and the, and the customers were compliant. But he says it would actually be an achievement to pay the bills and break even. Uh, because of the restrictions and, and not everybody is keen to go out and eat and have a couple of pints just yet. So he's saying that any support would be welcome. Anything available to the hospitality sector would be welcome, whether it was funding, grants or maybe a temporary suspension of VAT or a VAT reduction. The gate cinemas have opened again, so you can go back to the movies. There'll be a distancing between the seats, of course. But if you want an indication as to where people are at, while everybody seemed to be spending lots and lots of money on certain items and aspects, and supermarket sales were up, and I know that you know DIY and everything, and paint and garden furniture and stuff through the roof, but new car registrations nah, down nearly 32% in the six months of this year according to the Echo today. They're also advising in the examiner that people should shop around for good deals if you want to staycation uh, because some of the prices are eye-popping when you try and book a hotel. 
say, for instance, on the Wild Atlantic Way. And recently I told you the story of a prominent hotel. And this is not Killarney bashing, in spite of maybe some, maybe some people in Kerry think that I am or that our callers are. But there was one particular hotel that I remember referring to for seven nights for two adults and two children. It was coming in at €4,500. Now, when we checked with that hotel, they said, yeah, but that's for two rooms. But even at that, for a week, for two adults and two children, one or two rooms, 4,500 euros, an awful lot of money. So shop around is the advice. And then you talk about how easily it is to uh, uh, reignite COVID-19. The Independent says this morning that almost 20 members of one family, one family, have tested positive for coronavirus after gathering to mark the one-month anniversary of a relative who died from COVID-19. If that's not ironic, I don't know what is. And the Sinn Féin funeral attendance, um, where they claim that there was uh, physical distancing. Sometimes they say that the angle of cameras and photographs and videos, um, you're seeing it in 2D, kind of, but in 3D in the real person, there would be an awful lot more distance, you know what I'm saying. A lot of stuff before the courts then. There was uh, fellas, uh, these guys who pretended to be Gardi, who stole from a house. They were before the courts yesterday. It was the home of an 83-year-old woman. Aggravated burglary was the uh, with the fresh charges, um, pretending to be guards as well. I'll come back to that a little later on this morning because it's something that we dealt with on air at the time. And then there's the teenager injured in an unprovoked attack. A 16-year-old, the Echo carries this story, walking home from a morning gym session. Completely unprovoked assault when he was punched repeatedly in the face. Uh, Detective Garda Gary Purcell was uh, investigating that attack. And it's very interesting because a lot of the things that I see in court are actually stories that we've been talking about on the air, either months Six months, maybe a year previously. Some of the court cases are before the court much faster these days, though. So it's good to be seeing these stories in court because they refer to stories that we dealt with on the air. So it's showing some of the success of the Garda Shikona. And then there was a suspended sentence of three months imposed on a motorist who was convicted of being threatening to a Garda by saying to the officer that he'd see him soon in a cafe frequented by the guard. Uh, so there's going to be community service involved in that one. Threatening a guard, though, many people want automatic jail, even for a week or a month or three months or whatever, but that's community service. And then there's a woman jailed for six months for coughing at two paramedics up the country. It's in County Clare. Do you remember that? We dealt with that one on the air. A 30-year-old from Kilrush coughed in the face of two paramedics and said, I have the virus. Well, she got uh, six months uh, jail. Papers also talk today of uh, developments on uh, Leaside. And this is an interesting one. You know the Coliseum, which is now the Leisure Plex. Well, the exterior of that building is a listed building all the way down uh, down Brian Baru Street, the old post office sorting office. But there's a company now that wants to build a 171-bed hotel. And the planners are awaiting information before they actually rule on this or not. But the examiner has a mock-up as one of those CGIs, isn't a computer-generated image of what it would look like. Very impressive, I have to say. But the issue really will be regarding what are they going to do with protect the exterior of the building as they build above it. They've got the ground floor, one, two, three, four, five floors above it. So that's an interesting one with the uh, Echo dealing with that one in the papers. And that house party that you heard there in the news at nine o'clock, originally the story was that that was from Limerick. Of course, we all know that that was actually from Waterford. Uh, the newspapers are talking about up to 60 people. Unless I've lost the ability to count, I actually counted 69. So the guards were called there. Mind you, nobody was fined. No names were taken. Somebody said it's understandable that people want to get together. Like, yeah, but not in those kind of numbers in a three-bedroom house at any time of the year. And then 
They won't have time for this right now. But the mirror talks about um, the do's and don'ts, the rights and wrongs, and who's better in the motor car when it comes to driving habits, ma'am or dad. And this is a view from the back seat, apparently. Youngsters who were surveyed regarding their parents' driving habits. Who comes out the best? I will come back to that one. Uh, But one or two of them include dad's the fastest driver. Dad engages most road rage. Mum is most likely to get lost and mum is most likely to bump the car off something. So two all there. There are more which I'll come back to a little later. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. I know, I was going to say, you know, there's no need to get lost anymore if you follow Google Maps. But you want to be very careful plugging in directions into Google Maps because for some extraordinary reason... Google Maps always wants to come up with the shortest, as the crow flies, distance between two points. But it usually doesn't. It usually doesn't involve main roads. It can involve boreens, right? And up and down over mountains, and almost through farmyards. You need to be really careful with that. Okay, with regards to travel and whatever, Aer Lingus have now announced that they are extending the grounding of their planes to Lanzarote, Alicante, Mallorca, Barcelona and Malaga until the 14th of July. Last week they were saying, sorry, last week they were saying they wouldn't uh, fly until the 14th of July. But now they have updated it saying Alicante, Mallorca, Barcelona, Malaga and Lanzarote, Lanzarote, they now actually won't fly until the 14th of August. So anybody that was planning to take a trip with their lingus, either out of Cork or Dublin, to those destinations. It won't be happening before the 14th of August. So that affects Cork then to Alicante, to Barcelona, and places like that, because they do have flights out of Cork to those destinations. So that's bad news, isn't it, for people who want to go overseas. But still, the confusion continues. Uh, and I will tell you exactly what the Minister for um, Health has been saying this morning, because he was on Morning Ireland, he was talking about it. But if we just get to one or two calls first, um, and this is from a Killarney uh, business owner who says, I'm a business owner in Killarney, and I heard that you were bashing Killarney yesterday on the radio. I was very disappointed to hear this. We opened up back this week, and as hard as it is, What's uh, even harder is to find out that a Cork radio station could be encouraging people not to visit the beautiful town of Killarney. As you know, so much of the businesses in Killarney depend on tourism and visitors. So to hear that you are putting the fear into people, Neil, just isn't fair. We can't control Americans from visiting the town and we won't be refusing their money either. We need to get back to business and make money again after the worst few months ever. Us business owners would like an apology and would urge you to let your listeners know that Killarney is COVID-free and safe to visit. Thank you, hard-working business owner. Well, I would stop short of an apology, in fairness, hard-working business owner, because I wasn't bashing anyone or anywhere. In fact, I've been talking up Kerry and Killarney and further west and the whole wild Atlantic way over the past few weeks. Um, but if people are going to be calling me or I'm going to be getting texts, whether it's from West Cork or the city or East Cork or Kerry, or indeed people coming on air... I'm going to read them out and talk to them. And then I have a call from Pronchis who wants to pick up on this, this 14-day quarantine, or as we call it, quarantine my arse. Maybe he'd agree with that term. Perhaps it originated from him. Pronchis, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, you're, you're actually down in the Dingle Peninsula. Do you think that, I mean, have you been listening? 
I've just been listening about the, the, the caller there from Killarney saying that we're COVID free and COVID free and eight Americans queuing up for ice cream yesterday. I hope they were wearing masks and you know. Yeah. Well, I suppose that they're a bit touchy about their main source of income across the summer, which will be tourism. Anyway, what's your own scenario? What did you come across? Um well I've just I saw that post yesterday about the, the tours. I, I, I'm actually a um uh a driver guide for I I just uh, deal with American people and um, well my big issue is the mask wearing you know I'm just watching I'm just listening to Professor um, Luke O'Neill that, saying that you know in America there's 50,000 new cases there yesterday but like you look on the, the Dublin airport website and you see two flights coming in a day from America I mean like are these professionals coming in are, are they being quarantined you know this two week quarantine thing it's kind of ridiculous I and mean, maybe people should have been listening to Mike, uh, Michael O'Leary about the you know, he's he's adamant about people should be wearing face coverings, which is absolutely right. You know, mm. uh, this two week quarantine thing is ridiculous. Mm. And I, and like I have two friends, and I, uh, they're friends, but they they're from the UK and they just arrived yesterday, and they drove in and they were down the shop. Okay, so where did they come into? They came in. I don't know what port they came into, and I probably grand. Okay, they came into Ross Lair or Dublin in their car. Yeah, okay. yeah. It doesn't matter, you know. But they're you know signed a piece of paper and away you go. It's crazy, like. You and d- did they give an address as to where they said they'd be quarantining? Yeah, they have a house here. You know, they do have a house here, but you know they come a few times a year. But you know, I mean, like look at those people that came in from America, and that two week quarantine thing is 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 like Michael O'Leary says, it's ridiculous. Like, unless they do what they're doing in Australia, where people put people straight into a hotel or something, that's the only thing that can walk there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on about leadership in America. There's no leadership there. There doesn't seem to be any leadership here either. I was just listening to Luke O'Neill there this morning. He was on the dark this morning. Very few people wearing masks. And it seems to be the only thing we have right now, like, as a... The only vaccine we have now, the preventative thing, is is wearing masks. And why don't they just mandate them everywhere? But the couple that came in from England, where you met in the the local shop, were they just going to shop and go home or are they acting as tourists and going around? They're just acting, they're just doing their normal thing. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're just going down to the shop. They're going around, they have people coming over, doing work on on the house. You know, they're they're painting the house and things. You know, they're just carrying on as normal. And have you been watching, have you been following Flight Tracker with regards to flights from the States? Yeah, I was watching it from the last couple of days. One came in there today from New York and one from Chicago. Yeah, and what, I wonder what the load is like and whether they are tourists. So that's the thing, I'm like, they're hardly bringing empty planes in there, you know. Um, You know, I don't know. Michael O'Leary seems to have got it right. I mean, I know he wants to get planes back up in the sky, but he's been saying it for ages. You know, you had Tony O'Hool and Tony O'Hool and there and Dr. What's his name? uh, Killian Gaskin. They've been saying for ages now, there's no no evidence about masks, you know, and now they're saying, you know, wear them. I mean, maybe people's lives could have been saved if people wore masks. They could have been saved. I mean, you don't have to be a medical professional to know that you know, it's it's a no-brainer put on a mask. But come here, you you do you say you do tour guide work? Is it? Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a driver driver guide for CIA international tours. And I'm is it quiet? A, oh sure, I do nothing. I, I'm out. Of, it's just Americans I drive, so we won't have any Americans here. Maybe not next year. You know, I'm out of work. And are you around? Are you? I think you're in Castle Gregory. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Castle a lot Gregory, of Cork yeah. people have mobile homes there. Are they down there? Yeah, they do. I, I don't know. I was saying to Brenda there, it's, it's, it's quiet at the moment, but uh, the weekend was busy. The weekend was busy. And have you been into Dingle for a bit of a scove around? Are the tourists from overseas? No, I, I haven't gone to Dingle. Uh, I, I plan to go there this week, but, um, you know, I, I presume they're all, all out and about, you know. 
Anne says six American tourists in Kenmare yesterday on vacation, they said, flew into Belfast to hire a car and touring Ireland for the next several weeks. Uh, Fiona says, I'm living in Killarney. I've just seen dozens of camper vans coming down to Killarney from the UK. So it's not just American tourists that are arriving. It's pretty sad, really. Um, and there are a lot of people coming in on ferries, you see. But, like, the government have to step up there, really, don't they? And they have to do something about it. You know, the, the, Dr. Tony Hulham has said, you know, people should be cancelling their flights, you know, going abroad. I don't know. I mean, like, how come he's telling people to do things like that and they're leaving flights in from other countries? Like but are you America? seeing any other tour of, um, tour operators? Or? Uh, I, no, no, I mean, there's no buses out there, and I feel real pity for the... Like, are Dero's out, for instance? Are you seeing any Not of the car all. coaches down around going through... No. Nothing. No, there couldn't possibly be any buses out because you can't social distance on a bus right now. You yeah, know? I know. Yeah, so be, anyone that you'd see really would be coming under their own steam then. Yeah, and they're like, nobody's going to get on a bus. It's not viable to have a big coach out with a few people sitting inside, you know. And I can't see it happening next year for, for American tourists, you know, coming in here. For the likes of us, for, for the company I work for, um, it, it's really sad to see that these buses are just sitting in the yards. Right, and is this what you've done all your life? I've only been doing this for three years. I was a professional accordion player before that. I think you played the box in Riverdance, didn't you? I did. I did. did. Yeah. Gotcha. I did, yeah. And Sean Sean Keane and stuff like that. Go away. You played with the great Sean Keane. Did you travel with Riverdance? Oh, I did, yeah. I mean, I've done it all my life. I've only been doing what I'm doing for the last four years. I've travelled all over the world playing music. Isn't that amazing? And come here, like when you were were with Riverdance at the beginning, the middle or the end of where? Two. 2000, I had the great privilege of, you know, I mean, like, there was an orchestra, kind of a small orchestra with them that time. But like, I reckon it's all back in track now. There's only one or two musicians on the stage there now. But it was a great, and I, I walked straight out of Riverdance into which Sean Keane played with him for three years. Then I toured with the High Kings in the States for... Love the High Kings. Uh, they really rock the joint, don't they? When they came out first, they an eight-piece band, and I was one of them with Nolik Casey. and Nolik Casey. Fantastic yeah, talent. Uh, but you know Riverdance, like... Because the audience, be a full audience all over the world. I often wonder about this and ask this question. Like, like, can you sense the anticipation of the audience and the excitement of the audience? Like, no two nights are the same, I'd say. What's it like? You know how how, when we first saw it on Eurovision, everybody was blown away? Yeah. Wow, it's an amazing experience, Neil. I tell you, my first gig with Riverdance was in the Point Depot. I had two weeks run there. And, like, I remember coming in, uh, I'd never played with the band. I'd rehearsed all my stuff and I came in and, oh, no, Neil, there was three members from Moving Hearts on the stage. Oh, no, Neil was playing bass, was he? Yeah, and Noel Eccles was on percussion and you had another piper from, uh, from, uh, from uh, uh, what's his name? He was with uh, Movie Hearts as well. And they were all on the stage and I'd never met them before and I had to run through with them at about two o'clock in the afternoon. That was probably Davies Spillane, was it? It was, yeah, it was Davies Spillane and it was the most terrifying moment of my life. And then, you know, I walked out on stage that night in front of 4,000 people and... Jeez, what an experience. Crazy stuff. Amazing, isn't it? And it's amazing, still, there's amazing. a few different river dances still touring the world, not at the moment, obviously. You must have enjoyed that. Uh, oh, it was an incredible experience. And, you know, uh, Bill Whelan, an incredible composer. I remember I was, I used to have to do a solo every night uh, uh, in the show. And, uh, and um, I remember he, I was walking backstage taking, having a coffee at the interval and he was standing talking to a few people with suits. He wouldn't have known me from Adam, I thought, and I was walking near him and it was my second night or something and he just stopped and he said, Frank, he said, a great solo there. Well done. <laughs> I, I thought it was just incredibly humble and, yeah, yeah. well, 
Riverdance. I'm glad that I found out you played in Riverdance because yeah. it must be great to play gigs where you know you're not going to have a bummer of a night. <laughs> you know, well, you know it's got a guaranteed success. It was a very professional show because they had people in the background, you know. Uh, Bill Wheeler could come in at any time and put on a set of headphones at the back, at the at backstage and say, look, I'm going to check the accordion player tonight, the fiddle player, just oh. to see how they're performing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had to be on your toes every night, you know. Oh, man, was, uh, fantastic. And do, you pl- do you play around Kerry now? Would you play any of the pubs well, or clubs or anything like that? No, I don't. I give it all up, you know. I, it was just a bloody waste of time. But I, I became a, a tour guide for for Americans and I bring my accordion on the bus. Isn't like, that yeah. brilliant? Add, added value then? You know, and it's a job I love. I love doing it, you know. So Okay, well, hopefully you'll get back to it sooner or later. Who knows? Right. Nice to catch right. up, Prunchius. Thanks for taking Thanks, the Neil. call. Perfect. conversation. You, Cheers, my friend. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Right, it's one thing about us being able to go overseas on holidays, and I'll give you a clarified update there on that in a few minutes' time with regards to July 9th and stuff like that. But with regards to tourists coming into Ireland, yesterday I was telling you the story from West Cork where there were people from as far as Mexico down in West Cork and there are lots and lots over from the UK in West Cork one of the locals was telling me it was like to try and spot the local there were that many tourists in West Cork uh, and they were saying you know watch the numbers rise in cases after this with the amount of people that are now coming in holidaying because it's uh, summertime and then we got talking about uh, you know Kerry and uh, the Ring of Kerry and over Killarney Way and that's why I got that email then that was saying that I was and that we were and that they are disappointed to be bashing Killarney on air. Uh, Tom Randall says Randall's Court Hotel down there thinks the Drum Hall as well. That's right, you have the Drum Hall as well, Tom, don't you? Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a family business, Drum Hall Hotel and uh, Randall's Hotel okay. on Muckers Road in Killarney. You'll be very happy to hear that I got a text in this morning from Billy. He says, I was in Killarney on Monday for lunch at Cane's. Cane's is the restaurant that's part of, just joined on to the Drum Hall Hotel. That's your restaurant. He said, they gave us everything for free because it was their first day, wine included. And he said, I just wanted to say what a lovely thing that was, says Billy. Uh, you won't stay long in business if you're giving it all away for free. I mean, well done. But was that the was that what the plan last Monday for everybody? You know, not not for everybody. You know, look, we're delighted to be at the home open on Monday and Randall's Hotel. We'll just get ready now. We're open tomorrow. You know, we're really excited to be open. All the people that work here, we're just excited. So we're just delighted to see people come through the door and sit them down and do everything else we do in a, in a very safe, a new, a new environment. But we were delighted to see them. So not everybody got free lunch. Just but certainly Billy was delighted with it. He thought it was a, a lovely touch. Um, are, yeah. there, are there international tourists in Killarney, particularly Americans? I would be very surprised. I have been, I, I was in the town yesterday. I saw no indication at all at all of um, of any international visitors. Uh, we can see from our online statistics where people are looking from. We obviously see our nationalities, where they're booking from. And the few bookings that we have, they're all Irish and we're delighted to have them. But I, I have no indication of any international visitors at all in the short term. At and are you talking to any other, are you talking to other hoteliers and are they saying likewise? Do, yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk to each other all the time and, you know, we communicate with each other. And no, I, I don't believe there's any indication, you know, if I have seen a certain amount of activity, may and but I don't know, they're not staying hotels. I think maybe if they're staying Airbnbs, but, I, you know, I think some there's, there's a lot of people that are living in Ireland. You don't forget that there's a lot of English people that live in Ireland that have English registered cars. There's a lot of Americans that live in Ireland. So I certainly indicate no indication of any amount of non-nationals visiting Killarney. 
Do you do you do you guys want international tourists this summer? You know, we uh, we we'd love to have tourists, but we 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 we'll, we'll fit in with the guidelines. It has to be safe. You know what I mean? We certainly I I, I don't want people that are coming in from other countries in an unsafe manner where they haven't quarantined. Um, you know, if somebody's allowed into the country and they've quarantined and they're they're safe. Uh, absolutely, but it has to be safe. It has to be meeting the government guidelines. I mean, our absolute priorities are to the health and welfare of the people that work here and to the people that stay with us. So only if it's safe and uh, acceptable. Yeah. Okay. Will Will all of the hotels come back? Though, do you think a lot of them, of course, were closed for long periods of time? Just like here in Cork, staff were furloughed or got COVID payment. What What's the story with reemploying them all? Will they all come back? You know, I, I think in, in quieter areas, you know, if you look at the ring, you go up the West Coast. No, I don't believe the will all open. And I, I think I'm seeing in Canary, the majority of hotels are opening. But really, the difficulty is going to start in September, October. The normal sort of cycle is, you know, you're quiet for three months, you're steady for four or five months. And then those summer months sort of pay for your winter months. So really, the challenge is really going to be this winter, you know. And, and I just listened to your previous caller there, Prunchies, and I mean, that just shows how wonderful it must be to get on a on a coach and have a, a musician from Riverdance. And that's the tourism industry that we have in this country. And it's not just about the hotel. It's from the person that meets you in the airport. That's it's right. from the person that rents you a car. There's a network there, you know. And if that network starts to crumble, and I'm talking about coach companies, I'm talking about tour operators, I'm talking about places that serve food in the ring in the middle of nowhere, you know, the attractions. And that's the big worry we have here. You know, we, we have a, a world-class tourism network and if that starts to crumble, I don't know what's going to happen. OK, well, the person that emailed me was quite critical, saying we can't control Americans or international visitors coming to Killarney, but we won't be refusing their money either. I guess you can't do that. But we did some price comparisons um, with regards to hotels now and last year. And I have to say that um, the prices in Killarney, many of the hotels were alarmingly high. Uh, you know, I, I dispute that, Neil. I mean, I had a quick look there this morning and I looked at the Friday of the August Bank Holiday weekend. You know, you can get a three-star hotel for €95, Euros, a four-star hotel for €119, Euros, and a five-star hotel for €249. Euros, you know, so I, I, I don't... I, there's almost this urban myth developing about the price of hotels. So, I mean, nationally... There's a but two adults, two today. children, seven nights, four and a half grand... I don't see the facts in that. I mean, you know, there, there, there is there's these these urban myth cases or these these situations that are maybe taken out of context. You don't know the quality of the room. Was dinner included? Were there treatments included? You know, I, I look at Randall's Hotel. We're a four-star deluxe property. We have a three-night offer on right now for three hundred and ninety-nine euros. And I would encourage people. You know, okay, so for three nights, um, that's a, is that a family room? No, that would be a room based on two people. Okay, so two okay. people, bed and full Irish breakfast. So or bed again, and breakfast, two people. Two people. Okay, okay. Three hundred ninety-nine euros. Three ninety-nine for two adults, one child, bed and breakfast, three nights. Exactly, one child under the age of twelve. Three hundred ninety-nine euros. Okay, we can't really argue and with that if there's breakfast included, can you? And and Neil, it's all over. It's all over the place, you know. And I would encourage people shop around, book direct, and that's not. I mean, if you look at the occupancy in the country. For the month of July, there was a survey due out today. The month of July, the occupancy is 23%. In the month of August, the occupancy is 26%. So, I mean, that's saying to you, there's a huge amount of supply out there. 
there's so the month of July, that. hotels in Ireland have a, a occupancy right now. That's those that are booked of twenty three percent, and in August it's twenty six percent. Yeah, last three days, it's almost got two hundred and fifty respondents. So, I mean, the country is very quiet. So, this idea that hotels are extremely busy, that they're charging a lot of money, is is fundamentally wrong. So, and should not people should people not just call the desks at the hotels themselves and try and get a ring? Go to the hotel website, ring the hotel, and you know. The longer you stay, the better you're, the value you're going to get. You know, it, it, like if you want a family room, you know, you'll get it's going to be more expensive. You know, but it, the longer you stay, if you have inclusive dinner, if you have treatments, the more you get, the better value you're going to get. And look for discounts and look for upgrades. And ring the hotel directly or go to the hotel's website. But you know, it's always good to speak to somebody, especially if you've a four to five night booking and maybe there's you've three children or two children and you might like two rooms, you might like one room. You know, call the hotels, book direct, but there's great value to be had. And okay. I okay. But that, that with anyone. That may change though on July ninth, um, if restrictions are lifted and quarantine is abandoned and people are allowed to come into the country, then you could well be awash with international tourists, yeah? I really don't see, uh, I mean, we would see the demand for the operators for international tourists. I don't think there would be a huge amount of international tourists traveling this year. So I I would be very surprised if for the rest of this year, if there was an international tourist in this country, there's no demand. You look at America, they're closing down. Um, I don't see, you know, people don't decide to do an international holiday four days out, you know what I mean? If there's any doubts of quarantine changing so I think it's a great summer for staycations there's great value out there we have a wonderful country we should go out and explore it you know Killarney has always traditionally been a great destination for visitors from Cork and uh, we'd love to see that continue but there's great value there uh, we have a great product I mean the product in Ireland is is the best of ever and you know what Killarney is while it's starting to move a little bit it is quieter than you'll ever see it in July and August you know so we have a huge national park here there's a lovely atmosphere around here. There's lots to do. I see a lot of the restaurants are starting to open up and life is returning to normal very much in a safe way. You know, I mean, all the hotels, the coffee shops, just like it is throughout the country. So it's a great time to visit Killarney. Okay. The National Park is looking fantastic. All right, my friend. Appreciate that. Much obliged to you for taking the call. Have a good summer. Tom Randall's at uh, Randall's Court and Drum Hall uh, Hotel. Um, the 9th of July... Uh, at the, right now, today, there's a meeting of Nefesh, right? So this is the, the, the medical aspect of COVID-19. And they're meeting today and they'll be making all sorts of recommendations, which then will go to cabinet tomorrow and the cabinet will discuss it and they'll decide apparently on Monday. You know, they're supposed to publish a list of countries on the 9th of July. Uh, now, the, the health minister this morning is saying that might change. 9th of July might change and in, in not brought sooner but it just mightn't happen at all on the 9th of July. So for now, the guidelines are not to travel. He said it again this morning. Don't travel overseas. Look to staycationing. Now, we're not in the Schengen area, but uh, the UK this morning on the BBC are, are talking about the 60 countries that British people will be allowed to travel to for a sun holiday overseas. It, listening to it actually was almost like encouraging people to go overseas on their summer holiday. Um, and these 60 countries would be available to British people to travel quarantine free. We're not involved in that. That's not anything that we're doing. We're not Schengen, so therefore we don't have uh, the same kind of uh, guidelines as they do. But they did say that 17% of cases in the last week in Ireland were from overseas travel. But you are talking about 17% of cases being something like six people. 
but you know one is too many I suppose and one or two could do all sorts of damage but the 9th of July is the date when um, they had planned to lift quarantine yeah so you could go on holidays and people could come in here from overseas and they didn't have to quarantine and you wouldn't have to quarantine when you come back but that's not written in stone at this stage so we'll have to see what happens on that one in the coming days he said absolutely nothing because he wasn't asked anything about people getting refunds from the likes of Ryanair who are refusing point blank to give anybody their money back apart from one or two that we managed to twist their arm on but it was special circumstances. But other than that, if you've booked flights and the seats are going, the seats are there and the planes are going and you're not on it, then it's your tough Nelly. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Okay. 104 to 106 Red FM. Back to the phone lines we go. Veronica, good morning. Good morning. Now, Irish residents and the quarantine rule. What are your thoughts on it? We're just being punished for being good. Like, that's my opinion on it because... The quarantine rule, I mean, yes, we need to make sure that we don't get people into the country that have the virus um, to avoid a second wave. I get that, but we feel really good and we're being punished. Like, I'm due to travel to my parents who I haven't seen since Christmas. And at the stage that it is in now, it means that if I go there, I'll have to quarantine when I come back. Not when I'm in Belgium, but when I'm coming back, I have to quarantine for 14 days. So... For a week of holidays, I'll have to take three weeks of holidays um, because obviously my employer is not going to be happy with me having to quarantine. My husband's employer even said that, so, well, if you are going, that's your choice, so uh, we won't pay you at all. Yeah. So, um, Would you have to quarantine in Belgium? No, no, because I'm a Belgian citizen. I don't have to, and because I'm coming from a country that is deemed safe, okay. I don't have to. Um, but if I were to travel to the UK uh, or from the UK to Belgium, then yes, I would have to quarantine in Belgium. Because they're not safe, Ireland. but Belgium figures Ireland is safe. But but anyway, I mean, when are you due to go? Oh, I'm only due in October, but still, like, you know, you get kind of anxious about it. Um, it's a double wedding of my two brothers. I really want to go. But well, the way it looks now, like, I'm fine because I work from home, um, so I would be fine quarantining while I'm working. But um, my son wouldn't be with school. Um, my husband needs to get to work, so he wouldn't be either. But what's interesting, um, though, is that you say that if you went, if you came back via Belfast and you wouldn't have to, there'd be no problem, you just yes. drive down to the south. Yeah, so we were looking at all the options, right? So if I were to travel from Belfast to Belgium and the opposite way back, then I wouldn't have to quarantine. So I can take my car, drive up to Belfast, park the car at the airport, take the plane to Belgium, no quarantining. And if I then come back into Belgium, take the car to Cork, I don't have to quarantine either. I mean, that's not a fair rule, is it? Well, I don't know whether or not the quarantine rule will be there in October. I doubt it somehow, because it could even be gone by July 9th. We'll have to wait and see oh, what yeah. happens in that regard. But do you think a better option would be for the people to come back from holidays to wear a mask and gloves for a fortnight? Or even yeah, a like, tourist to come over here and wear a mask and gloves? Yeah, like a friend of mine, she lived in Czech Republic. Um, and everybody that comes in there, they are mandatory to wear a mask and gloves. If they don't, they can get a 500, uh, 500 euro fine right. um, on the spot. Like, that's what she told me, and she lives there, so she would know better. Um, her mom came over from the Netherlands, and um, she had to wear the gloves and the masks. 
and you are checked upon at the streets, like if you're going into a shop and stuff, they check if you're actually a resident or not. Um, if you don't have the mask, you have to pay the 500 quid there, right then and then. In the Czech Republic? Yeah. And do you know of people who have had to pay 500 euro fines? She hasn't told me that, like, I'm only going from what she told me, like... Well, there will be a fine introduced here very soon for not wearing a mask on a public transport bus, for instance, so... Maybe they which might decide. Is, which I get, like, which I get, like, my husband's a bus driver. I, I honestly, I feel safer knowing that people have to wear a mask for his safety as well. Even though he's behind the glass the whole time, it's just a matter of, of feeling safer, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, for him, but also for the other passengers around. Exactly. Like, I'm a high-risk person. Like, I have health issues. So for me, it's always kind of going in front and forward. Like, I mean, my mom really wants to come down here. She misses her grandchild. But I told her, I said, it's not safe. You'd rather not be in an airport. So I, I'm, I'm not encouraging her to come down here. But I would love to go to my brother's wedding. I, I'm hoping that it'll all be fine by then. By October. My God almighty. <laughs> Unless we're back in a second wave then. Anyway, stay positive. Thanks, Veronica. Two nights in Westport. Here are the prices. Crazy money. Two adults and three children with just breakfast. No dinner. Good luck, Ireland. And the two nights in Westport for a twin room and a classic triple room. Now, the triple room is a big room. Bear that in mind. But anyway, the two rooms uh, for two nights, 828 euro, uh, which works out at uh, something in the region of uh, 200 euro per room per night. Uh, on American tourists in Killarney, it's the same as everywhere else. The government are, feed, are feeding us muck. I travelled from Cork to Dublin for my child's appointment in Temple Street two weeks ago. And afterwards, we went to Dublin Airport to watch the planes like we always do after the hospital because he's obsessed with planes. I was shocked with the amount of air traffic landing and taking off. Oriana says, calm down, stay at home for one year. Is that a problem? People are so annoying, ruining it for the ones who are being careful because we have, we have vulnerable people we care for around us. Seriously, Ireland, toughen up and quarantine those coming in. If Irish people went to America, we would have to quarantine. Well, you wouldn't be able to go anyway. I don't understand Ireland at all. In Ennis, my son was in a pub with friends and there was a group of English visitors came across on the ferry uh, through Belfast. They drove down here and rented a house. Uh, I'm not being a spoiled sport here, but we have worked so hard to flatten this curve and now we're letting people in, especially from countries that have the highest figures in the world, like the UK and America. If we have a second wave, it will just be our own fault. One final one for now. This breaks my heart in a way. I won't go home to Germany as I'm afraid I'd pick up the virus in my travels and bring it back here. Haven't seen my family in six months. I don't even want to imagine how long it will be until I see them if this starts all over again. It's way too early to be letting people in to the country. There's reams of those which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But let me get to other topics and jump in and out if you don't mind, as we always do. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Now, we're back to the riots and the thuggery and the violence in Mount Oval, are we? That's correct, yeah. And the only reason, Neil, that I'm on about it is that um, I was a victim of that kind of carry-on. We talked before, I'm a taxi driver, and um, well, I know what I work on at the moment, and more than me and some of my colleagues, we got battered over by Toker there um, a couple of, about a year ago. I talked to you about it, and yeah. basically nothing was ever done about it. Um, it's done, there's still ongoing issues around the place, and this is another one, and I, I actually got onto Red FM maybe six weeks ago, whatever time when it happened, and I just said, I guarantee you, I said nothing we don't either. And Mark, your researcher, myself, I've been kept in, I've been on to him in the last two few weeks. Just and so I said to him by the first week of July, if nothing was done, I'd actually go on and just try to get a conversation. Start. I know what you say. I, yeah, I know. And that's your text 
said a little more than that. Yeah. You said that I'm biased towards the students and the sons and daughters of the privileged, and that disappoints yes. you. Yes. Do you but really? I, do you again, really believe that? Again, Neil, I think. I think uh, do I? Um, again, it was a kind of a text that's to, to start the ball rolling. If you yeah. understand what I mean. Yeah. Um, again, look, it has to be. There's someone biased towards him, Neil. Like it's crazy. I'm sick and tired. Of just carry on. They can't go to America. It's like a mantra. Are they? Be, they're being told that, and that's why they're getting away with murder. You know. It's a mantra. Like, why don't go in and whip them out? May twenty third was the date of the Mount Oval carry on, wasn't it? Five weeks, six, six yeah. weeks ago. Okay, and the chief super, McPoland, mm. told me some weeks after that, and this was my last conversation yeah. with the guards on the matter, yeah. that they had spoken to the vast majority of teenagers involved. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, what happened after them chatting with them, I honestly don't know. I can check again. I imagine yeah. they will get a warning yes. uh, under the juvenile liaison program, yeah. and mm. that's all. But I'm, I'm awaiting a response from Garda Press. But believe me, I'm as annoyed yeah. as you are. I mean, you are yeah. a victim of the carry-on. Um, yes. Other taxi drivers got an awful hammering uh, and there was a bunch of fellas down Carry yeah. Tool walked away, remember? Right, it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And if someone, if someone like me or someone else like yourself doesn't keep in the public out of sight, out of mind, you know what I mean? The squeaky wheel gets the oil. Eventually someone's going to call a halt to it. Like the people in the people above in Magazine Road might as well be throwing stones into the river like the sort of satisfaction they're getting yeah yeah. You know, who, who's going to stop it like you know if you, if you have no tax and insurance in your car you're a criminal if you have no television license you're going to jail well you know, so you've no, you have no television license you'll start to see the letters come through the door and the colours changing as well from black to red yes. and what have you and, and with regards so to what happened out in Toker yes. was Toker was it yes what, what, yes because Road the lights and because Road and Toker Road yeah you were stoned, I'm the right? only one. Were you stoned? Yeah, stoned, exactly. Yes, and they should have been almost killed. Like, um, someone, was, someone was shining, someone was looking down at me. The, 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 the boulder that hit my car, and I saw the guy doing it, it hit the rail that separates the window from the door. Six inches higher, it hit me straight in the face and killed me. And you know, were they identified, those characters? Again, the, 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 the story is, again, you see, it's ongoing. They're, it's, you know, the people in the road know who did it. I know who did it. You know, but you can't, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove, you know, so then, but that's, 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 the, that's the whole mantra, you know, we can't do anything about it, they're this, they're that. They can't get into they America, job yeah, prospects. No, the, 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 exactly, the mantra, and then the mantra from the guards that, that I, I actually, it was only for Donico Lira, and I'll say it again, he was, did me some fantastic behind the scenes work with it to try and get some closure and some satisfaction and some bit of, bit of cooperation and a bit of empathy for want of a better word. Do you know if anyone was questioned regarding that? Never. No, I, I, again, I, I can't say that. Yes or no, I wouldn't think so. It's, it's ongoing. It's just one of those things. And that's what I'm trying to say. It's when it becomes one of those things, like Mount Oval is one of those things. When is someone going to say stop and call a halt and make an example of someone? You know when, you they, know, bur- you know when they burnt down Vernamount? Yes. They also got uh, juvenile yes. liaison program yes. warnings. You know, nothing, yes. nothing else. But why, but, why can't, but why can't we stop that? That's only that's a, that's, a, that's legislation made by the legislators. That can be stopped. Why can't we we lobby to stop the water charges? Why can't we lobby to stop that? Yeah. Like in the way in the in the world I live in, where the world I live in, I assume we live in the same world. The laws are only for people who obey laws. They use the laws on us. They don't use the laws. On people who don't. I know what you're saying. Exactly what you're saying. Look at Trevor Laffin's after the on the 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 Echo. I think on Tuesday was fantastic about is the law too lenient? You know. 
I didn't see that. I must get my I must get my hands on that. I, I tell you what, we have um we have a query into Garda Press. I'm happy to call the Chief Super again and ask him for an update um and see where they're at with that. Yeah. But Neil, can you do us one small favour, yeah. if it's possible? <clears throat> and all this COVID carry on. A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of charities out there, whatever. Um, or even affinity towards the donkey sanctuary. Uh, a lot of people forget about that people looked after animals during this. Do- the guy dogs, whatever. A shout out and maybe a peri peri to the donkey sanctuary or to, to the, the guy dogs or something like that. So Why not? Other than, Why not? Yes, Why not? Because they, 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 they looked after the animals, did a great job as well. You know? Okay, let's do that. Appreciate that. Well said. Okay, I'll be back to you, Paul, when I get an update. Appreciate it for now. But, you know, what we're really featuring, and that's fine, we're really featuring over the next uh, few days and early next week is some great opportunities for you to scoop a three course meal for four with a bottle of Moe, Moet, Moat a bottle of champagne, and a round of cocktails. It's four of you. Um, and this is at Clancy's, the new look Clancy's in the heart of Cork. Not just the location, but all things Cork, uh, particularly when it comes to sport and food and a couple of jars and what have you. And you can use that um, in one of their private booths, if you wish. Uh, and we've got five of those to give away. They're super prizes. They're worth big money each. So it's a three-course meal for four of you with champagne and cocktails. Uh, to the call of the day every day, best call of the day every day on air, wins one of these super prizes from Clancy's. You can book directly at Clancy's to, in Clancy's online at clancyscork.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Thank you so much to Julie Sennan's mum, member who wrote to the Taoiseach at the time, Leo Varadkar. He was on the air with us and we had great fun. And I got an update from Ma'am Julie. She says, Hi Neil, just wanted to update you on Sennan. He has totally reveled in his five minutes of fame on air with you. And more importantly, he got to hug his granny, his nana in Kerry. It was a very happy and emotional moment for all involved. It was an unreal experience for an eight-year-old. He came into his nana's kitchen, washed his hands as far as his shoulders. He was also masked up when he gave her a hug. Thank you to everyone at Red for brightening his year. It was declared the highlight so far, his conversation with you on air. My sincere thanks to you all, says Julie Sennan's mum. Well, you're more than welcome. He's a lovely, lovely lad. You should be very, very proud of him. Uh, and that's a great story. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 0868104106. It's all about tourists and flights these days and issues involving the government and mixed messages and quarantine. Tony Houlihan was getting rave reviews for his straightforward talking and his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. What has changed recently? He is warned of a serious return of the virus if we allow travellers into the country and if we allow travellers to holiday abroad. This man and his team are the experts in the field and to ignore them at this point would be madness. Is it economics now before lives, I wonder, says Anthony. It is a delicate balancing act between the two, isn't it? That's for sure. Sharon, good morning. Thanks for holding. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, so the lads were, were due to go to a Man U game, were they? As a birthday present? Yeah. Yeah, um, Man United versus Southampton was the 24th of April, I think, or the 23rd. Right. What happened? They didn't go anyway. No, no, because uh, the UK were in lockdown then yeah, as well, yeah, so there was yeah. no rope yeah. or anything, and we weren't allowed to go, obviously, because we were locked down too. No, you couldn't even and sneak then, in for that match. I don't think there was a match anyway, was there? Well, no, it hasn't even been played yet. Yeah, of course. So what, what what was the story then? Did you get other flights? Did you get refunds, or did you lose it? No, we lost it. We lost uh He had booked a tour as well. He got that money back. The hotel was booked, but that had to be paid when he got there, so we just cancelled that for free. Okay. But yeah. the flights, we kept checking the flights all week, 
and it kept saying that um, the flight was going ahead, the flight was going ahead. And then on the Friday morning when they were supposed to fly out, they were flying out from Dublin, when they were supposed to fly out on the Friday morning, um, it, it was still going ahead and it was a very early flight as well. So he emailed Ryanair and he gave them his uh, reference number and stuff. And then they just emailed back and said that the flight was going ahead and that if he wanted to go, he could have went. So basically. that's exactly the way it is now with people going to some destinations with the likes of Ryanair. Flights are going ahead. If you're not on them, no refund, no voucher. Yeah, but I thought even even now, like, you can kind of go. There's, you know, people going on holidays and stuff. But this is the end of April where, like, there was literally nothing open in the UK. So even if they had got on the flight, there would have been no hotels, no restaurants, no bars, no bed and breakfast, nothing. They couldn't have went to anything. Like. And there's no way they would give him a, a rebooking, was there? No. No, he and I emailed them and I explained to them that it was a birthday present for an 18th birthday, not just like a 14th or whatever, but an 18th birthday, a special birthday. And um, they just sent back um, a thing saying the same thing, basically, an email saying the exact same thing. The flight is going. The flight went ahead. The flight went ahead at the time. See, they don't care about whether you're going to a match or a birthday present or a weekend away with your partner. they're just saying, listen, we're just here to fly you. The flight's going. The rest of it's your problem. And the maddening thing was when we were looking at all the flights that were due to go from Dublin that day, I'd say like 90% of them were cancelled. There was probably two going through. I know, yeah. And the, the one to Manchester was one of them. I was like, for God's sake, but my son had lost out so much this year as well between the leaving for the graduation from school, the the proper night out when he gets his results yeah, and all that. Yeah, I know. Tough and year for them. then he... Yeah, and then he loses out on his big birthday present that he was only thoroughly to get as well. See, it would be very easy for you or your husband or your son to say, well, we'll never fly Ryanair again. But that's very difficult considering all of the places they go to and no one else does, you see. So you're kind of caught as well, aren't you? Yeah, well, if you listen to the TV and the radio, and I went online just to have a look at flights yesterday on their website, and they're for half nothing. You can fly to Tenerife for 40 euro, 39.72 or something. Would you fly to Tenerife in July? No. No, no, but you can do if if you want to. But tell me why you I wouldn't, like, it. if Tenerife is safe. Oh, well, because I can't afford it. Oh, right, okay, that's the <laughs> it's one. It's not because... That's the yeah, fly in the ointment. I can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, my husband was um, laid off for about six weeks, I think. He Listen. was out of work for about six weeks, so... And is he back now? He's back, yeah, yeah. He's back about a month. A bit longer than a month, I'd say. Well, listen, I, next week we're doing some great stuff with tourist attractions around Cork, you know, and we're getting family passes and vouchers to various different tourist attractions. I'd love to send one on for the family so you can go out and have a good day at one of the tourist attractions, something like Spike, you know, go out in the ferry oh, for the day. Great. Wouldn't it be great? We're doing yeah, those, we're doing those next week. So would you mind holding on so I get a postal address from you? Yeah, no problem, Neil. Thanks, Thanks Sharon. Have a good day. We'll sort you. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Encouraging people to get out and to staycation, even for a day or a weekend or a week, what have you. Do your best to try and keep it in Cork or our friends and neighbours over in Kerry. But we're putting a list together of all of the different tourist attractions working on it, and it's going to be fun. And we're going to be giving them away and telling you all the places that are open. It's going to be maybe tomorrow, but certainly Monday's programme, all right? So that's something to look forward to, to take your family away for a day on us. Pat, good morning. Hey Neil, how are you? Okay, ahead of the break, what's on your mind? Um, yeah, I just don't kind of understand uh, the problem with people abroad at the moment. And um, okay, I understand. Move around talking. a little bit there, pal. Just uh, have a okay. little bit of a jig. Yeah. Sorry, how's that, Neil? Better go ahead. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's, um, I I don't understand the rest of Europe. 
is opening and we're being told that we can't go anywhere. Like, for example, if uh, if you're going to a place with the same levels of virus or it's lower, I don't understand why we can't go there, you know? Like, yeah. For example, what's the, what's the, uh, am I at more risk having a coffee in Seville tomorrow than it would be in Patrick Street? Well, because you're a tourist, you're behaving differently than, say, a uh, native. You see, you're going to different yeah. things, you're interacting more, you're in the service industry yeah. more. Okay, Neil, but on that point, for example, if I was to go on holiday in Ireland, wouldn't I be doing the same, interacting the same way as I would be in Seville, that's for example? That's very true, yeah, you would. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I'm like, for, I'm like tomorrow I'm actually going to uh, Las Palmas in Gran Canaria. And, mm. uh, yeah, so... She lived there for about three years, you know. So I'll be there tomorrow and I'll be having a coffee in uh, Plaza de España. Okay, so, so where are you flying out of to the Canaries tomorrow? Uh, flying out of Cork tomorrow and it's, would you believe it, it's 42 euro. How much? 42 euro with Ryanair. 42 euro each way, is it? Each way, yeah. Okay, so, so you will mask up then and you'll bring a sanitizer on board. Absolutely. And like, say, for example, if someone is irresponsible when they travel abroad, wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that person be irresponsible if they were on holiday in Ireland? And you're all worried about who you're going to be sitting next to or going through the um, airports or anything like that? No, not really, because like, uh, I've been on buses here in Cork City, you know? It's, it's, isn't it the same thing? Really? Or like, I was in Penny's yesterday, Neil. And I had to buy a few bits and bobs, you know. For the house, yeah. And, uh, like, uh, well, I haven't been in a store like that since February, you know. And? So, um, well, I was touching clothes. Like, uh, you know, you buy a shirt, you, you pick it up, you know. Maybe you don't like it, you put it back down. Like, how is that safer than having a coffee tomorrow in Plaza? And the people, it? okay, and the people that were picking up the shirts and putting them back down, were any of them wearing gloves or masks or anything? No, not really, not really. And were any of the staff then taking that shirt away? They're supposed to put it away then for 72 uh, hours? No, I didn't see that, Neil, okay. but I, I don't think that's, like, I don't think that's very practical, you know, if, like, there's 100 people in the shop and, and like, it's very hard to, like, look at a shirt and, and not pick it up, see if it's your size or whatever, you know. And did you feel safe in there? I did, I'm like, it's, I, I like, I've obeyed all the rules since they started, you know, and, um, but like, you can't lock yourself up forever, you know, and uh, so, yeah, I, I did feel safe there because, Daddy, you know, you'd, because f- you'd feel as safe having a coffee on the Canaries than you would picking up a shirt and pennies. Absolutely. All Tomorrow right. night, Neil, I'll be on Las Canteras. It's the beach of Las Palmas. There's like, uh, I'll be having a beer with friends, like, and if I wasn't there and I could go to a bar in Cork tomorrow, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not crazy, Neil. Like, for example, I wouldn't go to the UK at the moment because I don't think it's safe, you know? There's another three spikes in the UK now and they're contemplating three more lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, like, for example, Tony Hoolan, like, I I think he's done a great job and I respect the guy and all that, you know? But like, uh, if he's saying you shouldn't go to, like, for example, you were asking that lady about Tenerife. I've been in Tenerife uh, like, because I lived in Gran Canary. I visited all the islands, you know. Like, and if that Tenerife is, has, like, a lower level, levels of virus than, say, Cork, uh, he needs to explain why, you know. Okay, well, and, listen, um, just just a couple of things. Uh, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're free on Monday to take a call on air, that would be a good thing. I don't want to be impeding on your holiday, yeah. but... If you no, bang, a, bang me yeah, off a text on Monday and say I can talk to you any time in the next hour or whatever and we'll get you on the air, yeah. see how it's been, you know? 
Yeah, I will leave because, like, it's like I'm going over, uh, like, I have an Irish friend there that's not well, you know. He's, uh, so, like, uh, it was one of the reasons I'm going there, you know. Are you but only back from South America? Yeah, I spent six months going around uh, South America, you know, I had great crack. Uh, well, I'm back since February, so I got back really at a good time, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think not all of the bookings worked out. Did you end up booking into an old folks home at one stage? Yeah, I did, I did. Oh, God, it was a, uh, I had many adventures in the six months. I basically got a bus from Colombia to Ecuador, Peru, uh, Paraguay and Argentina, but I booked uh, an old folks home on Airbnb. <laughs> uh, what do you think it was so, a hotel, is it? No, I thought it was uh, formerly an old folks home <laughs> and that they were gone, you know. So it was really weird experience. Uh, like I saw the people out in the courtyard, like it was like a real old colonial Spanish kind of courtyard. Yeah. And like, but at night time, I think the only thing that freaked me out was at night time, I kind of heard all these voices at night. And like, you could see outside each room, they had like a bucket and they had like a tube going into the room. Now, I thought that was for, um, I think that's probably for air conditioning or something like that. But I kind of had got into my mind that they were sucking people's brains out, you know. Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> man, would you kill <laughs> Because I was hearing like all these strange voices at night time. So uh, the thing I did for that was just, like, uh, have a lot of beer that night and get to sleep, you know. Okay. But it was great. And it was a beautiful place. It the was crazy like, places we book into at the last yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah. I came here, it was, it was only, like, uh, six euro a night, so I couldn't come late, you know. <laughs> All right, so, okay. But I've stayed in more spaces than that when I was travelling, so, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a great experience. And I was in Ecuador for one month, and there was, like, riots there. And uh, they, like the whole country was nearly in a uh, civil You were lucky war. you got back then. I mean, it was February. If it was a month later, it would have been game yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I got caught in a, a, a gas bomb attack by police in Quito in Ecuador, you know, and some locals had to come and rescue me, you know. I just took the wrong corner, you know, and I bumped, went straight into a riot, you know. Oh, my but God. I, but I was in Buenos Aires was the last place I was in February. But, like, back then, you probably said the same thing in February, uh, like uh, COVID-19 was something that happened in China, you know? It, it didn't realise the significance back of Back in the it, early days, then, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was the nicest country of all of them that you went to visit? No, South I didn't dislike any of them. Uh, there was certain places in the country I might not like. But, like, uh, as regards city, I just, like, Buenos Aires just blew me away. Like Argentina. And the thing about it, right, Neil, they're going through a financial crisis even before this COVID-19 and their currency has collapsed and it's so cheap there now. Unbelievably cheap. It's cheap for the tourists, but it's hell for the natives, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, like last year, for example, their inflation was like 55%, but the currency kind of went down by 150%. That Worthless. kind of way. Worthless then, yeah. Worthless. So, like, it, it was brilliant. And then you could, like, there's an official rate and an unofficial rate, you go into an office and you would get like, I think it was, the official rate was 59 pesos to the dollar, and but you could go into these places and get 75 pesos. So, so you you them. clearly don't work, do you, if you're travelling? No, <laughs> no I, I work online a bit, maybe, you know. All right. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I work, I used to do kind of hotel work and um, so I kind of had a business and it kind of went under 
So I, d- I then just did a bit of travelling when I had time, you know. Okay, well, but, uh, listen, it's lovely to catch up and I'll be looking forward to talking to you on Monday to see how it's going. Yeah, in, uh, definitely. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll, the I'm, uh, staying, uh, I'm, I'm staying with friends, so... Um, so you know, it's like I, I, yeah, I, I can tell you, I can tell you what that that pharmacist is like. Absolutely, and, um, let's do it yeah. Monday. All right, Pat, have a good long okay, weekend. Then I won't talk to you until Monday. Take Cheers. Easy. Take care. Bye. It's not technically a long weekend, but I won't talk to him until after uh, the weekend. Um, uh, many, many people actually don't particularly have a problem with whether they go or not go. It's the ones. The big issue at the moment is people who don't want to go and can't get their money back. That that's the real flying the ointment at the moment for many people. I'm shocked that people are shocked about this. This was bound to happen. One minute people moan about the tourism sector and the economy being hit. Then, when there are tourists spending money, people don't want them here spending money. I know loads of people who have holidays booked and are in the process of booking trips to other countries. The virus won't disappear after a few weeks of lockdown. It's just another illness that we're all going to have to live with. Point being, I suppose Kevin is saying, go on your holidays. Uh, This is the new world. It's a joke. My husband works in Sweden and he wasn't home in 18 weeks because of health concerns for his parents and elderly neighbours. He came home a few weeks ago for two weeks and we as a family went into quarantine at home because he was coming from Sweden, which is a COVID-19 hotspot. The flight from Stockholm to London was packed. There was no social distancing on board. The flight from London to Cork was pretty empty. There were no temperature checks in Cork Airport. About three or four days after, he got a call on his mobile asking where he was. He could have been anywhere, really. To allow visitors from hotspots like this is absolutely reckless. Well, that's interesting. He went into quarantine at home, having come back from Sweden for the two weeks. But there was no way for anyone to prove that he did, even when he was called three or four days after he got home. But I think it's at least some consolation, though, that he got a call a few days later asking him where he was. We'll come back after the break. Calls on the way. Theresa can hold just for two minutes. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. All right, I'm writing. The, this is from a tradesperson. I'm writing to you as I'm really getting frustrated by people's stupidity when it comes to COVID-19. I'm a tradesman in Cork, and since we've been back, I've had customers looking for jobs to be done, even though they're supposed to be isolating. One customer, as an example, rang me last week to get a shower fixed. I asked what time suited him, and he said his wife was home as she was isolating after flying in from Germany, and she'd leave me in at uh, she'd leave me in at any time because she was at home. He was out, so anything she might have had, he was out spreading it because he's living with her. Another customer wanted a toilet fixed. In conversation after the job was completed, she informed me that she was an ICU nurse and didn't want to use the same bathroom as the rest of her family. Uh, please don't read out my details, but hopefully it'll make people think twice before they invite us into their homes as tradespeople. And the point being, in the second case there is he could have given her or spread uh, COVID-19 around the adapted bathroom, I suppose. Anyway, just talking about symptoms and getting over things like this. Teresa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Are you, are you sure you had coronavirus symptoms? Um, no, I'm not sure it was coronavirus, but it definitely was um, symptoms of coronavirus. Like what were the symptoms? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I got up on Monday and I had a wheeze, which started in my nose, and then it was a definite wheeze that was going to my chest, and there was kind of an urgency about it. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And I took this particular remedy, and my symptoms disappeared practically instantly. And um, the the, the remedy I took was uh, one teaspoon of bread soda in just a little water, followed by the half a juice of a lime, undiluted. Then I followed this with gargling with a glass of salt water, one teaspoon of salt in a glass of warm water, and I kept going until the glass of water was finished. 
and my symptoms went practically instantly. Um, then I repeated this then um, twice a day for the next few days after that. And the reason I did this was I was looking at an interview from a person in 1918. Her name is Edna Boone. Um, oh, where, I got a text um, about that. That's a documentary, isn't it? Um, well, she describes how her parents were, her family were the only entire family in their village of 200 residents who didn't contract the flu virus of 1918. And her mother gave them all bread soda to take every morning before breakfast. And her parents actually became automatic nurses to the entire village. And um, so I... Did you drink that bread soda or did you... Gargle. Yes, I did. I put a teaspoon. Of, I put a teaspoon of bread soda in just a little water, and then, uh, as I said, followed by the half a juice of a lime, undiluted, and then follow that with a gargle with a glass of salt water, and keep going until the glass of water is finished. Warm the water. Right? Added, is it warm water? Warm water. The reason I added the other ones was because um, I saw that lime. I saw online that lime is antiviral. And then also you have the antibacterial action of the salt water. So I just mixed the whole thing up together and whatever it was, it just went instantly. Okay. And I'd like to get the message out to people. And was that a remedy from the Spanish flu? No, the, the bread soda was from the interview. And then I saw the lime juice in another thing so online. the bread soda was from 1918, the lime juice is stuff that you've been reading recently. But your, yes, your symptoms, um, like, it was a wheeze, you know, you didn't have the fever, the, you didn't have the dry cough, you weren't jaded, you didn't have, you have aches and pains, sore throat, headaches? No I, did, no, I didn't have any of those, but um, I have read online as well that um, viruses incubate for a few days in the throat, so it would make sense that to use this remedy, the antibacterial and the antiviral action of it, that it would make sense that it would have an action on your throat. So I would just like to get the message out there to people that if anybody has any symptoms of coronavirus, to please try out this remedy and just see if it works. It's worth a chance. Yeah, I mean, because of all sorts of regulations that I have to work under these days, a lot of them are crazy. This one probably isn't, but I have to warn, this is not a cure for COVID-19. It just wouldn't do any harm if you start getting symptoms like you did. Yes, um, I would just like to say as well, if you don't have bread soda... Well, then gargle with salt water three times a day and keep going until the salt water is finished. And if you don't have limes, just use the bread soda and the salt. But if you're just using the salt, don't use the limes if you're just going to be gargling with the salt water okay. on its right. own. Okay, appreciate and, that. Oh, can I say one more thing, Neil, before I finish? Yeah. Um, I would um, advise people if they have asthma to get a peak flow meter because it's an early warning system. And um, it gives you an idea of if you need to go to the hospital or if you don't need to go to the hospital. Because if, if you take it and get to know what your peak flow meter is over a period of two weeks, you know what your normal peak flow is. And then I have no idea what a peak drop. flow meter is. I'm sure it's some yeah, kind well, of a gadget. People who have asthma will know what I mean. Okay. So thank you okay. very much for having okay. me in on air, Neil. Much thank you. you. Thanks, Teresa. Okay, so she did a, a job there on the throat and her wheeze disappeared. A uh, teaspoon of bread soda in some water, drank it back, followed by half a lime juice undiluted and then gargled with some salt water, warm water, uh, and kept gargling until it was all gone. Symptoms disappeared. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I was wondering yesterday what, what in the name of God were stylists using the word stressed for? I was saying, you know, stress or anxiety are words that are way overused in the society that we live in today. They should be reserved for really 
important things like, say, sick children or cancer diagnosis or death of a loved one or your own impending death and things like that. Loss of a job, for instance, uh, you know, wondering whether you'll get your work back. But it was used in that context. And uh, I got a bit of jip from people about it, you know, and they were making points as to why stylists might well be stressed. Uh, incidentally, uh, Sean Wren also got in touch with me. He had Sean and Sue's for years, super salon on Leaside. I think he's got his ass to the sun these days, but he joins me by phone. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And where are you now? Are you home or away? I'm sitting in my lounge in Tenerife, looking, <laughs> out, lovely blue, looking out at lovely blue skies, <laughs> and and a little bit angry with uh, what when when you were with you as as you were reading my email yesterday, and I said uh, don't be too tough on stylists because they're under a lot of stress, <laughs> and then you you said what you just said now, oh stress, oh come on, stress is related to sickness or sick child. No, Neil, there is no way in the world that I was relating. That's we we all know there are all different levels of stress. No, I think you made your point excellently in the email. I think you did. Yes, but please let me finish. No way would I, would I relate the stress of of fixing somebody's hair to standing outside ICU, worry about my child or my wife or, or any member of of my uh, my loved ones. So I just want to make that clear. So let, let's say. Fair under enough. pressure. Fair enough. <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not fall out over which word is no, right and which word no, is wrong. No, 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 but I, I, I understand, let's say, and then you say, no, you, you opened up the conversation by, by repeating the same thing again. <laughs> and I just, I, and I, I just want to make it clear, it is not that form of stress. There are all different levels of stress. And this level is work-related, and your business depends on it, and your livelihood depends on it. Like, I I know, I know that. Like, where I come from, the home I live in, if somebody can't find a sock or a second shoe, they're stressed. Exactly. They're stressed. And I I keep saying, that's not the word to use, like... Not up to 90, yeah. maybe, but not stressed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, under pressure. We, we call it <laughs> un, un, under... Who, who used to sing that song, Under Pressure? Queen and David Bowie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dung, 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 dung. Anyway, let's say that the stylists are under pressure, then, shall we? <laughs> yeah, and and can, can I tell you, can I just give you a quick example? Yeah, box colours, I mean, I'll bet you. Pardon? Box colours, I'd say, is it? <laughs> okay, uh, let's say two weeks into in, into the lockdown, the roots begin to appear. So, some husbands and and now I'm speaking about men and women because men colour their hair too. Men are very fashion conscious nowadays. But when when the grey appears, lots of spouses don't realise that their uh, their other half colours their hair, and they panic. They they go and and they buy a box colour, and they say, okay, I, I I'm a light brown, and they pick a light brown. Now, light, light brown to a hair salon and light brown to a client, completely different. They put it on and it, they, they then call it black. And then they panic. Then they try to correct it. They go and they buy maybe a light blonde, thinking that magic is going to happen and that the, the light blonde is going to lift the, the, the light brown. It's not. It's going to darken it more. So they're in panic, sta- they're in panic stations. And they're probably wearing a, they're probably wearing a balaclava at this stage. And... Then the salon opens and in comes this person and you say, oh, she says, or he says, oh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm really, really, really stressed out, stressed out over this. Can you fix it? And of course, there's a procedure that, that you go through and you ask, what did you put on it? Uh, I think, I'm not sure, I think it might be uh, Madurell. I think it might be Revlon. No, maybe. Just, so they really haven't a clue. 
So you're, you're, you're working with a complete blank sheet. You go through the procedure of um, pre-lightening and you'll find that you've got chemicals reacting differently and the colour is going billy up and she's turning in one bubble. <laughs> the, 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 the end of... I don't know, it's nothing to laugh at you. This is what stress is all about. So the colour is getting away from the stylist right before her eyes. The chemicals, exactly. three or four of them, which are mixing in the hair, are just not exactly. doing what she thought they would. <laughs> exactly. Oh, let's say the ends where the colour has filled up, they've gone red. Middle way up the head, middle way up the head, it's gone orange. And towards the roots, it's gone yellow. And then... And, and this is serious. I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, and then you're saying to yourself, oh, my God, I, you know, this, you have to go to plan two and mix up, mix, mix up with, say, a, a neutralizer to try and correct all this. <laughs> like a rubber, try to rub it out. <laughs> Start exactly. again. Or, or get the clippers and shave it off. <laughs> uh, so they, they, eventually, if you know what you're doing, it should turn out all right. <laughs> but, the, but there are times... I'm stressed for the poor stylist. <laughs> of course, don't, no, no, no. You understand, <laughs> and and correction work takes an awful lot of time. It takes an awful lot of product. It and and it, it let's say you have to watch it. You, you you the person could be sitting in the chair for three hours, while while you could have maybe four or five blow dries done. And you're over and, and back checking it. <laughs> Of course you're over in that chicken. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Neil, that's, that's my story. And that's, and that's how stylists get stressed out. And that's uh, how I'm, a, I'm as bald as a badger. Because my, because my Did you ever have, hair. like, oh, actually, Margaret, I'll come back to some text on the mission. Uh, Margaret Mus- Muskery says that hairdressers need to cop on. They're the biggest drama queens ever. Try opening a creche like her daughter did. Now, that's real stress. Surely they're doing it. Uh, all they're doing is rubbing a few heads a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can assure you though that uh, looking after children is no joke. That's another form of stress. Yeah, come here. Did you ever have? Did you ever have a hair color that just went completely arseways and you couldn't get it back? I did. Yeah, I did. What do you What I, do you do in a circumstance like that? I just run over to uh, St. Francis and light candles to St. Anthony <laughs> <laughs> and, and come back and start all over again. No, no, I, I can give you another example. No, so, did, did you ever have a situation where you just gave up? And said, like, oh, God, no. <laughs> no. no. No, Neil, because the, your biz, let's say the one dissatisfied client <laughs> will do more damage than all this, all, all this because people... People will say, in the name of God Almighty, who did, who, 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 who did, who did that to you? Who's, who, whose masterpiece is that? Oh, Sean and Sue, jeez, I thought they were good. What? Look at this. <laughs> you know, and that it's, so you, you, just, you just keep them there until they go through it. And as I said, 99.9%, thank God, we were lucky because we kept up with the timings, we kept up with the products. I used to go to London, I used to go to Paris on, on courses. Because you have to, when you're self-employed, every... Let's say it's the, the book stops at you, and as I said in my email, nowadays in particular, thank God I'm not in it. Nowadays in particular, it is oh, sue him, sue him. <laughs> you get a, come here, you 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 get ten grand for that. I don't think I haven't heard yet of a solicitor's letter coming in the door of a hairdresser salon. Have you? I have. Oh I have no, really? For a bad oh, hairdo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, well, well, maybe not a bad hair because if the cause it could grow, but it maybe a colour growing, going wrong, or maybe over processing and and a blistered scalp. Oh no! Oh, yes, I mean, you, you listen to me. 
It is. You have the easiest job there, so you don't. <laughs> and and the, the Cork public do your work for you. Thank and you. you so back, and you sitting back laughing at us I and laughing at us. <laughs> I never knew my job was that easy. Thank you. <laughs> no, anyway. My listen, son says you, I go into work I, at nine o'clock every day, talk BS for three hours and come home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I think I, I think that you make us talk a lot of BS. Go right, on. I'll let you go. Listen to me. Listen to me. I want to. Can, can I just say about the... Um, <laughs> the, the, the the Tenerife situation and the travel situation. Yeah. Uh, it, it the uh, situation here is very very safe. Now the island is very quiet, and if people plan one of my sons actually is coming on the third of August with his family, and but if people are, are planning to come for a wild holiday, forget it, because it's very very quiet. The restaurants are quiet, the bars are quiet, the beaches are really really um, obeying the social um, distancing, and. It's it's very relaxing. It's very quiet. But if you, if you want a honky tonk mad holiday, stay at home. Sounds idyllic to me. I'll let others make it, up their it, own it, mind. There are it, flights it is going. Idyllic. All right. Yeah, it is idyllic. Mind yourself, and, Sean. Uh, and listen to me. You, I. The minute I go up in the morning, I turn on. Is it Ray? Is his name? Ray Foley. <laughs> yeah, I like him. Right. I, I turn I, I turn him on, and then I lie in bed listening to you now, not until 12 o'clock. Uh, I might bring my phone down to the seafront, and I thank you for bringing Cork to me, because I, I really love Cork, but the weather is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. The great Sean Wren in Tenerife. I love that. And just wondering if you could mention my son on the reopening of his barbers. He's based on the Ballinock Road across from the church. It's called 16A. He opened over a year ago and is doing so well. He works by appointment only and he's booked out for weeks in advance. If you would just wish him the best of luck and continued success from all of his family. From his dad, Kieran, his mom, Christine, and his sister, Amy. We're so proud of him for all of his hard work. He's very talented, an abstract artist as well, and has some of his paintings on display in the shop. Uh, thanks, Neil. Well, it sounds like a really good spot to go. I might just pop in, and uh, not for the haircut, but maybe to check out his art and see how that goes. Um, on Monday, I passed a Turkish barber, a big queue outside the door, around the corner, and other barbers, and there was no queue. I would think that after so long, people would be glad to just get their hair cut. It's a bloody haircut, after all. Uh, not a haircut and a lap dance, says Joe. Why would one barbers have a queue, he's saying, and another no queue whatsoever? Anyway, back to the lines we go. Annette, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? There are other issues apparently involving hair that can go wrong. Apparently migraines from the hair colour, botched extensions that result in bald patches, burns from the chemicals. So stylists have to deal with all those things, I'm told. So I'm happy to pass that on. Anyway, go ahead. Of course. Um, Yeah, this is just a follow-up from last week when you were discussing um, insurance companies and the like. Um, I think there was somebody on, um, they were talking about the refunds from the car insurance companies. Yeah, Yeah, they gave a few, Bob. They gave gave something like 40 Uh, euro, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they broke their hearts, didn't they? Um, The insurance companies, um, in my mind, because I've had two incidents with them, are probably the biggest gangsters in the country, you know? one story I would have for you is in 2013, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and I had life insurance cover and critical illness cover and so on that I had taken out with my mortgage years previously. But when I applied for um, the the critical illness for the cancer, for, I applied for, I made a claim against, for my insurance, um, they delved back into my medical records and found 
where I'd had an endoscopy, which is where you get a tube down your throat mm. to check out the inside of your tummy. Mm. Um, I'd had that done back in, I think it was 94 in Mallow Hospital. I had completely forgotten about it. Didn't even dawn on me to put that in the form. But they um, they cancelled my claim because of it. But sure it wasn't um, related. It wasn't related, Neil. And that is one of the biggest problems here in this country. It doesn't have to be related they can just get, they can just cancel your claim and that's it. They are allowed to do that and they get away. What were they doing? Was it for irritable bowel or something like that or, or what? Uh, yeah, they're checking for irritable bowel um, and checking to see that I have ulcers in my tummy. Okay. <clears throat> but you, do you, your condition, now that's a real use of the word stress, I have to say, it thyroid is. cancer. <laughs> it sure is, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. But thankfully, um, Thyroid cancer, as my consultant said, is one of the best ones to get because it's completely removable. You know, as yeah. long as it's cost early enough in time, and mine was. You Delighted know? to hear it. But yeah, I mean, so, I have heard yeah. of the you know the critical illness cover. There's another one, isn't mm. there, called permanent health insurance? Is it something like that? Yeah. There, there's a something policy like you can take out if you're mm. working for yourself. Mm. And I had a, I had a policy for years because I, I'm self-employed. I've never actually been mm. an employee of a company as such. You know what I mean? Um, and I had this policy that I took out for years to cover me if I couldn't work or if I had yeah. problems that would lead to me not being able to broadcast. It was worthless. I was paying it for years and years yeah. until one day somebody said to me, you know, you really need to read the small print and all that. That's costing you like something like 250 euro a month. And when I read it, it was a complete joke of a thing and I just scrapped yeah. it. It was a, a total waste of thousands yeah. and thousands. Yeah. And you found the and same. They, like, they traced your history back to 94. They traced my history and found this as I said, this endoscopy that I got done that I had completely forgotten about that was not related to my cancer, um, but yet they were able to cancel my claim. And also on top of that, I had hospital stay on the policy as well. So anytime I was in hospital, after the third day, I was getting 75 euros a day from the insurance company. So they cancelled my claim knowing that I was now going to have to spend time in hospital as well, which meant that my hospital cash was gone. Everything was gone. And what they did was they refunded the premiums that I had paid. So everything I had paid since I had taken out the policy, they refunded me that. But that so was that all was right, though, wasn't it? It was fine, but that was their get-out clause. I got about five grand back. I should have gotten about 60 grand because of my critical illness claim, you know? So you had to pay for the thyroid cancer treatment? Well, no, I still am a public patient. So um, I still... And besides, when you have cancer, you automatically qualify under the public patient Yes, scheme. so what did you Unless have to pay you for? Unless you want to go private. I didn't have to pay for anything. It was incredible. I qualified for everything um, because it was But cancer. they should have paid for it. Yes, they should have. Yeah. And I should have gotten the hospital cash as well, you know, because obviously you're out of work when you're in hospital or when you've got cancer. And um, so I missed out on that as well. And so how much? Was, and how much of the case? Because it's a lengthy contact that you sent me. How much of the mm, case regarding the crash can you tell me about without getting anyone into trouble? Well, I can't, there's no one going to get into trouble because the, the, that is all done and dusted now. It's finished with. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say who I was working for or who crashed into me or anything. Yeah. You know, even though it doesn't make any difference at this stage. But yeah, it don't bother. So and I don't want to know about the <laughs> names of lawyers or yeah, barristers. Exactly. Oh, just God, just no, no, the no, general no, gist of it. What happened? The general gist of it was, after I recovered from cancer and went back to work, I was working for a flower company, delivering flowers. Um, I loved the job. I was like literally putting flowers into the van and going off for the day, delivering flowers, putting a smile on people's faces. It was lovely. Loved it. And I was three weeks in the job when um, an Arctic collided with me. And I was lucky that I was stopped. Collided with your car now. 
the van, it was actually a Volkswagen Caddy van. Okay. You know, those small little vans. Arctic Typically kitchen. used by florists, yeah. And, um, yeah, so this Arctic just came around the corner too fast and took the bend, couldn't, couldn't take the bend, and the whole lot of his trailer um, came in on top of the Volkswagen Caddy van. I bet you it kind of happened. Did it happen in slow motion? I see all your oh, life um, flash before I, your eyes. No, do you know, I, did, I didn't see the, the, the truck colliding because I was looking to my left to see if the way was clear for me at that side to pull out to go right, you know, out into the next the road that was in front of me. And all I can remember seeing is my son's face because he was in the van with me the first time ever I brought him to work with me in the van. And I could just see his face and his face was like just a picture of terror because he could see what was happening, but I couldn't and I didn't get a chance to look back before the truck hit us. Well, the trailer hit Was us. he a young fella? Was he quite young? He was seven. Oh, he's going on my eight. God, misfortune. Oh, mm, seven. No, sorry. He was eight going on nine, excuse me. Yeah. So it hit anyway. Oh, it hit. <laughs> it did indeed. And um, the airbag went off. And the next thing I remember is the driver of the lorry appearing to the passenger side. Um, so thankfully, we were... Relatively uninjured, we were well battered, but like we had no major injuries. There wasn't a drop of blood spilt, which was incredible, really. Um, and a guard appeared then as well, Philip, and he was going to work in Mallow that day. It was each Saturday and he was starting work. So he was in the traffic behind me, a couple of cars behind me. So he came up and took charge of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait then for the fire brigade and the ambulance to come because, you know, I had been hit in the head and... Even though I didn't didn't go unconscious at any stage, I was battered, obviously, because, you know, the gas had come in on top of me and so on. So Cormac, thankfully, could get out straight away. And God. there was a lady, oh, I'll never forget, I, can't, I, I forgot her, I didn't even hear her name, to be honest, but she was in the car in front of me. So when she saw what happened, she got out of her car, ran back, and when she could, when it was clear, she took Cormac and put him into her car. So I knew he was safe out of the way and um, yeah I just had to wait then until the ambulance and stuff arrived but I was cleared you know they cleared me and said I was okay it was wobbly very wobbly but was there a case then after that oh there was because I mean the driver of the truck admitted to the guards um, he admitted liability straight away I actually heard him saying it which is mad really but I heard him saying look it was nothing to do with her it was my fault I came around the corner that was decent of him anyway it was, it was, and so that was that. So were you so, were you claiming for damage to the car, or personal injuries, or, or what? Well, the car wasn't mine, that car was belonging to the florist, so she claimed um, for the car, so she got a brand new van out of it. Um, because her van, no, her van was rendered useless, I mean, it was wrote off, you know. Um, and so I was just claiming my injuries, really, so I had, um, I had severe whiplash, because my head had been thrown about the place, so I have, I still have terrible trouble with my shoulders and chronic back problems. Okay, like, so you didn't, but really you, bad. Did they, they, they settled liability for all that, surely? They did, Neil, but I'll tell you this much, there was absolutely, in fact, I am, even now I'm disgusted talking about what they did, because I was the victim, I suppose, is one to a better way of saying it. Either way, I was innocent, you know, I didn't do anything to cause this crash. Um, and his insurance company, the driver's insurance company, pulled me over the coals. I mean, because I suffered terrible PTSD after the crash, okay? Well, you would, seeing an Arctic car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your son in the car. It's horrible. I mean, it's just horrible. It's, it's, you know, it's it's worse in one way than depression and stuff like that, which I'd suffered from. I had postnatal depression because my daughter had died as well. So I'd had suffered from postnatal depression for years. And anyway... 
So when it came down to it, Neil, right, when the crux of it, when we got through all of the specialists they sent me to and to get all the information and stuff like that, in the end, I was told by my barrister that the, the other side, if I took the stand, they were going to go back through everything that happened in my life and get me to talk about the whole lot of it on the stand to prove that I was predisposed to PTSD. And so that the crash didn't cause the PTSD, it just set off what was already in, in and me. And were they referring to the death of your daughter, do you think? Yeah, they were going to bring that up. They were going to bring up the fact that I was sexually abused as a child, that that would also have predisposed me to PTSD. How, how, but hold on a second. I don't, I don't want to delve into the abuse issue no, at this stage because no, I'm not. I need fine. to be clear. I don't, I don't, but how would they have even known about, about these things? No, you may not, because. but I need to be careful. But well, how, the person who did it needs. No, that's sorry, I don't want to know. Seriously, I, I don't want to know. Really, otherwise, okay. I'd have to terminate. But how would they have even known about these things? Because it was in my psychiatric report. So they got a I psychiatric go, report on you yes, because somebody yes. crashed in and admitted liability. Yes, exactly. Oh, the psychiatric report was related to you. Right, psychiatric report. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Everything and why I had post-traumatic stress disorder. But as I said, they deliberately went back through my history so that... Ah, you had that already. That's nothing to do with us. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay, okay. And so I decided... Well, in fairness um, to your barrister, all he was actually doing was warning you that it's going to be tough. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not saying anything about the barrister. No, in fairness, you need to be prepared. Yeah, yeah. She was preparing me for what they were going to do. And to be honest with you, Neil, after three years, three and a half years of being sent to specialist after specialist, costing me money to get there to and from and stuff because, you know, they, I wasn't being paid. I had lost my job as well, by the way, so I didn't have I just my disability income. So, um, and yeah, so they were just going to put me up in the stand and they were going to haul me through the coals because, you know, otherwise, if they didn't break me down, they were going to have to pay out a large sum. And what so happened? They broke me down. They got exactly what they wanted me. I wasn't able to take the stand. I was an absolute quivering wreck. I could not take the stand because I wouldn't have been able. Sorry, I wouldn't have been able to hold it together. Not when they were going to pull up everything in my past. I couldn't do it. Oh my god! And even though I was the victim, I was the one being treated as the criminal in a way, and um, I just couldn't do it. So I settled for a way less than what I should have got. And Were you advised I, to settle? Um, oh, they told me, they said, look, if you don't settle, they are absolutely going to haul you through the cold. Yeah. And they were so, they didn't give a damn. They just didn't give a damn. You know. Uh, wouldn't you and, think that they would have handled you more, even the other side would have handled you with more delicacy, considering your past and all that you'd no. been through, losing your daughter, the abuse as a child, that they would say, listen, we need to be very careful yeah, with this woman were, because she's they were, fragile. They were going using every single thing. No, no, we won't be fragile with her actually. We'll use this as a tool now to cross oh, no, her. we'll break her. We'll absolutely break her and that way then she won't take the stand and so the judge won't hear, you know. Because the way I looked at things Neil, was, look at all I've been through and look at what I was doing. I was back out and I was working and I was happy. So I considered it a show of strength. But they were going to turn it against me. So you don't think at any stage that somebody might have suggested to you, look, the judge won't allow them or the judge will rein them in if they get overly... What my solicitor, my barrister told me was because there has been so many false insurance claims down through the years that they're being extremely tough 
and that I was taking a big chance by going in front of a judge because the judge could decide, look, yeah, you know, let's face it, you did have a lot in your life. So, you know, maybe the PTSD was just, you know, hanging in there or about to start at any given time. And as well as my injuries, you know. Oh, that's tragic. It really so, truly is. Um, I mean, that's so a legal system was, that... It, but it is the legal system. Didn't work that's why you. I'm saying, no, it didn't twice, twice, Neil. And I mean, I would never again take out life insurance. Not that they'd probably insure me now anyway after a crash and cancer, but I still wouldn't do it. Okay, okay. And I'll tell you this much if I could get away without paying car insurance, I wouldn't pay well, it either because don't they do are that. gangsters. Don't do that. Listen, but I'm, I won't do that. I'm, 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 I'm going to pack it there for now only by virtue yeah, of no the bother. fact that I don't have any time left at this stage, but no, I'm not rushing you. I just you, wanted to let people know, you know, that when, right. they, it, when they pay insurance and stuff like that, don't automatically think the insurance companies are going to be on your side because they're not. They're on their own side. And, and their don't own ever side, think for a moment that a legal action or a court case is an easy thing. Thanks, Annette. Mind yourself. Back after two, after 11. Sorry for cutting you short there. We could pick up on other aspects of your conversation at a later stage if you so wish to do so. I'll give you back to Brenda for now. Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. All right, busy morning. Martin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? That's a conversation with Annette that was heartbreaking, I have to say, harrowing aspects of it, particularly her um, chances in court if she was to go into the box. But um, and I hope that she she keeps well. But in your in your own situation, you were in court many times, weren't you? Yeah, plenty of times, and I've definitely talked to you on numerous occasions. Yeah, that's right, about ten times yeah. at least. Was it for ca- wasn't it for personal use of ca- cannabis? Wasn't it a small amount? Cannabis, yeah, yeah, personal use of cannabis. Yeah. Yeah, and but, like, what would happen? Would you be stopped and searched, or did they smell it, or see it in the car, or what? You just get profiled. Like, I'm young for uh, I'm from the north side, and uh, yeah, I just unlucky. Just got got uh, targeted more often than others would have, and uh, I got caught with a little bit of personal amount of cannabis. And I suppose from that first time, you're just continuously targeted. Then afterwards, okay, so you're forever up in court being fined for that. Yeah, I was up there over twelve times, like, and uh, as part of that, then I even had to do five days up in Cork prison, like. But oh, yeah, I'll get to that. But it was usually for way, about like. fifty euros worth or less, was it? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Like, but, but like, what, what I texted in last week was about was like, there, I think there was a fill up for for over two hundred charges uh, again, like, and, and he's out now at the moment on bail. I think, like, it, it, the, the court system is a joke, Neil. Like, when, when I was in there, it was just to get money out of me. I gave over two and a half thousand in euro donations to the charity box inside there, um, to get no conviction, and then they gave me my first conviction, and I was just like, "You're you're a joke," like because I was saying it to the judge, like you know, this this law isn't doing any the society any favors. I was like, "I'm going to be back before you again," I was like, "Because cannabis is so easy to get." But you he's know? only looking at it from the, from the point of it being an, an illegal substance to have. Certainly, but he could take it back to his peers and have this discussion. Like, why aren't they having this discussion? So you know, why are they not you, oh, sure, know, making it, an issue? And it probably will happen eventually, as you know, you know, it probably will. Oh, it's definitely coming, like, yeah. but, but why is it people like myself who is bringing this up? Like, these judges are sitting in there, they see the amount of people that are coming before them for personal possession of cannabis and other drugs. Like, And what would happen every time would be 250 or 300 euro to the charity box? We used to call it the yeah. poor box, was it? They're they're about yeah, they, they call it the court charity box or something like. But uh, like there's many beneficiaries like. But but like what, what I was alluding to la- the last time is the, the amount of free legal aid the state pays out, like to to, to defend people like myself. Like I, I refuse that. I spoke up for myself many times and um, much much to the, uh, to the to the dislike of the judge. But um, it, it's a joke. Uh, they, they want you to go in there uh, three yes sir no sir three three bags full sir. 
um, yeah, I'll be a good boy, sir. Like, but like none of it is actually meaningful. Like, you're, you're just playing along. Like, it's all a charade. And when you're in there, then you're seeing an awful lot of other cases that are pending, about to be heard, and they're all free legal aid and barristers and yeah. everything. Like, yeah. like, I'm I'm up now again in September uh, for a joint. Okay, I, I got caught with that last year, April, while I was at work, and I was delivering Chinese, and. Um, they stopped and searched me because the area where I was parked, like up in St. Luke's, you're probably familiar with St. Luke's. Yeah, but uh, you know something, I'll do you a favour there, let's not go into the detail of a pending court appearance because I don't want it to damage you when you get in there because there'll be people listening to this programme and I don't want to get you any grief, you know? Well, no, I, I just want to allude to the fact like, that this, this took a year for them to get me a summons, Neil, a year for for a joint, okay? Like that's that's a year waiting. Like that that's a year. Like imagine if your mother got robbed or your grandmother got robbed going down the road, and and that same person has to wait a year too because there's so many people in the system like myself. Like what, why are we processing all these personal drug possession? let's make it a health issue not a criminal issue yeah I know and of course there'd be huge money for, for, for a lot of the Mickey Mouse stuff that takes so long um, yeah. solicitors are kind of being paid all the way along that aren't they yeah and, and let's not forget then like the amount of Gardaí time that, that was diverted all, over the years like to, to just for myself like over 12 times like where they caught me with stuff like that that's not accounting for the other 40 times where I was stopped and searched and they caught me with nothing all of that time that's time they're not looking for rapists murderers robbers, you know. And how come you got five days in Cork jail then? Because I refused to pay the fine, Neil, and I refused to go to court anymore because the the system is a joke. I I have no other crimes. I I do nothing else uh, bad in society. I hurt nobody. I have no victims. And um, I'm only doing my my part in a democracy, which is uh, standing up to an unjust law. And I'm kind of laying myself on the line. I'm martyrizing myself in order to do so. Because I'll be doing that when I go into the judge in September. I like, say, here I am again, judge. No, you have an option. You have an option as well, like like to to stop use smoking cannabis. But you know, I do, and I've I've another option too to move to a country where it's more acceptable. But but why am I a victim of my location? Like, why do I have to be a refugee in another country and run away from my own country, Neil? Why can I not step up uh, here, like, and, and not be fair of being? Locked up and take my freedom. Take. I know it's a bit. It's a bit. It's a bit right. kind of. It's a bit daft, really, when. Uh, a proportion of solicitors, maybe even judges back in the day, were cannabis users themselves. But yeah, anyway, yeah. what, what but was Cork prison like? They like cocaine, Neil. Let's not forget that. Like and they're, they're they're all, yeah, yeah, the like. South American dancing powder. What, what, was, yeah. jail, what was jail like? Um, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that, that was a joke up there, Neil. Like, when, when I was in there, there, there's no pathway for reform for any of these criminals. Like, it, it, the only thing that goes on up there is they, they skill up in their trades of, of criminality. Like, I was in there as a person for cannabis, like, and they were kind of laughing at me, like, um, but, yeah, like, you, you've, you've teased in there, like, and they'll share tricks of the trade, like, you know, that there is no pathway for, for, because, like, the system is overwhelmed in there. Like, we all know the revolving door system. You know, funny enough, actually, when I was getting left out of Cork Prison, Neil, the uh, prison officer said to me, he goes, you better not be caught again, because he goes, the new prison will be open soon. And he goes, the revolving door will be gone then. But we all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah, but do you think you get longer the next time? I, I don't. I, I I don't think so. Like, but if I do, are you are you happy uh, that your taxpayer money is being used to? To entertain someone like me, I wonder will I get Netflix when I go up there? Like you know, <laughs> yeah. Actually, I never must come back to that topic. Actually, because a huge response to that taxpayers' money is like so. Like, and were you slap? Were you slapping out so on the Ratmore Road? You were. I had to slap out out there. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Um, it, it, it's not nice, Neil. Like you, you, you have a bucket like inside in your cell, and you're locked in there. Come whatever time it was in the evening, and uh, it doesn't open again until the next morning. 
and there's you and another fella inside there, like, and you're sharing the the, the bucket. <laughs> sharing the same bucket, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah, you'd have a piss bucket and a poo bucket, like. And did so. you have a TV in there? <laughs> do you have a TV? Yeah, uh, they had a TV. Yeah, all all the the, the channels uh, that you would get at home, like without having to to pay for the TV, like a uh, TV three, RT, all of those kind the of free to air stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mind yeah, you, all that's stuff, all yeah. very well, like, but you still can't get up and walk out the front door of the prison, like. No, no, def- definitely not, Neil. Like, but but the thing is, like, if if we're going to be putting people in there, like myself, like, and like, the, there's no pathway then for the reform. Like, cause I, I told the the judge that day, like, I, I, I'm not going to change my way. Like, I'm, I'm standing up and I'm, I'm making a, pr- a protest, like, because I believe this, this uh, law is more harmful to our society and to our kids and to, to everybody, um, and they need to change. So you want to pack and, a bag uh, then when you go back to, like, you're going back to jail then? Yeah, no, if so be it, like, but uh, again, as I say, like, are you happy that your taxpayers' money is being wasted on that, like, and that's what I'm trying to raise awareness, that this is your money, that, like, we are people of this country, it's the democracy, that the people never voted on, on these laws to be put in place when they were put in place. They were put in place at a time when condoms and being gay were illegal, Neil. So let's not forget that, okay, you know? Okay, And all I'm doing is saying we change these laws, like, and it's high, and I'm preparing the pun, I love using that pun, it's high time we change these laws. Look after yourself, my friend. Do stay in touch, all right? Cheers, my friend. Take care, Martin. We'll talk from time to time and undoubtedly we'll talk again in the future. He's got another court appearance the back end of the year. Lights open on that. Uh, Certainly your thoughts are welcome on it. Text 0868104106. I might go back, actually, and go back through my programming notes from last week and get some more of the text on people's opinions of uh, prison time. Remember we were talking about that where I was telling you about the bill that had been uh, laid at the state's door Uh, for Netflix, which has been added to the choice in prisons in Ireland. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers, when shopping in-store, please practice social distancing. You still have an opportunity to watch the uh, RTE Investigate show. It's a two-parter on the pandemic inside Ireland's COVID battle. It aired on RTE 1 on Monday and on Tuesday, and I watched both of them. Perhaps you did as well. I referred to it yesterday on the program. It changed my mind or re-emphasized the importance of our health system in many ways to me. But I was gripped for both of the shows, but in particular for one particular part of it. And I'm not saying that any death is less important than another, but there was um, uh, a man by the name of Patrick, who is 97 years old. And in St. James's Hospital, he lost his battle with uh, COVID-19. But it was his support worker that captured all of our hearts. And actually, I was sitting on the, on the sofa on my own. There was nobody there. And I was, there were tears running down my face. It was just absolutely heartbreaking because Lisa was his next of kin as well because all of his um, family, he was, you know, she was the closest person to him because they were all out of the country and nobody could come to see them. I think they're his... Might have had brothers or sisters, I think, perhaps in Canada, but he he lost his life. But uh, Lisa would go in to visit him uh, and would play little, you know, play Irish tunes on her mobile phone to him. He was in a deep, deep coma and, and slipping away. And it was so, so heartbreaking. And he and she would sit with him um, in spite of possible risks to her own life. And she would chat with him and talk to him. Uh, and then he passed away. Uh, and after poor old Patrick, the age of 97, passed away, Lisa went into his room and uh, she held his hand for the last time and she played him um, an Irish lullaby uh, on her phone and it was uh, just absolutely heartbreaking and she sang along to him. Um, this is a section of the programme just featuring that. They're okay. 
going to play the Irish lullaby, okay? Well, I'll hold me hand. Over in Killarney, many years ago, me mother sang a song to me in tones so sweet and low. Does he like that song with Jesus? In a good old Irish way And I'd give the world if she could sing that song to me Lisa, I'm going to lose it again. Help me out here. I think I'm going to lose it. Oh, I think I'm going to lose it. Jeez. That was the... That was one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. Oh. Are you okay now? Yeah, uh, I am. I'd be grand. It was terrible. You really have... You really have captured our hearts, you know? Thank you. Just to see you lean over then and kiss him on the forehead. I know. I wish I could have had no mask on and gloves. Tell me about, tell us about Patrick. Because we, we, we learned so little about him, but such a long life and you were so close to him. Where, where was he living? And you, you used to look after him, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm, pa- I'm a Patrick support worker for um, uh, two and a half years. Um, he lives in the Granby Centre. It's in the heart of the city centre. Mm. He came there over 20 years ago. He was one of our first residents there. Um, he's an amazing man, absolutely amazing. He taught me, among other staff and residents there, a lot. He taught you a lot? He taught me a lot. He's a very wise man. You got very close to him, did you? I did. Um... It's my job to be a support worker. I'm close to a lot of the residents in there. But because Patrick was the age he was and how wise he was, there was just something special there. He had, he had a long, long life. I wonder what he did with all of it. Did you ever manage to find out? Yeah, well, before he came to the Granby Centre, um, he walked in the Mount Street Club and his job there was to separate the cream from the milk. And he had all those stories about... Was he, he was a West of Ireland man, wasn't he? Because you travelled for his he funeral, was, yeah. of course, to, to Sligo, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, last year, Patrick was talking about, like, death, and he knew his age. And last year, we put something in motion for him to, like, stay in the Granby Centre for palliative care. Like, we were going to do the palliative care in the Granby Centre, like, because that's what you would have wanted. But unfortunately, because of this, we couldn't do it. We have 100 residents there, so we couldn't put the whole rest of them at risk. So when he contracted COVID at that age, he had to go in to ICU, didn't he? He went into the matter, first of all, and then from the matter into isolation. From the from isolation then to James's. 
You see, watching that show really showed us all that we shouldn't be just talking about percentages and numbers and flattening curves. You know, we saw Patrick's story and others like him and your kindness yeah. and love to him was just profound. Are you are you aware of people's reaction to your your relationship? I am with him? now. It's it's very overwhelming. Um before I walked in the Grammy Centre I was a healthcare assistant. Um that was always the job I, I like to do. Yeah. Near yeah. the end of his I, life. I was then you very visited. lucky to be his support worker. Yeah. And did you go very often then as the as the as the Yeah, I went every minister? day. I went every day till he passed. I like I used to have to come in and out and take my PPE off and take a breather because I remember the weather was extremely warm at that stage. In May, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very warm at that stage. So it was my hat are off to all them nurses and doctors um, how they wear that PPE for so long throughout the day. But you you would chat with them, and and I know I played the part of you know there with my Irish lullaby. He had passed away at, at that stage, and you held his hand and played his song. And but when you played all of the other songs um, on your phone, do, do you think he heard them? Do you think that he could hear you chatting with them? Yeah. Yeah, up until about two days before he passed, um, he was giving me facial expressions and, you know, nodding his head and, like, I knew that he could hear me. How did you keep it together, though? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I wanted to keep it together for him because I know that whether people are in a coma or whatever way they are, they can still hear you and they can still sense. So I didn't want him to see me getting upset. I think you're incredible. I really do. I just think, I mean, I'm just in awe of, of what you did. And, you know, you probably do this all of the time, dealing with people who are getting old and alone and minding them and being kind to them. And then you travelled west to the funeral. What was that like? It was beautiful. It was lovely to see where Patrick was from and stuff like that. My colleagues came with me, Daniel Jordan and the coordinator, Tony. And it was just really nice. We stopped off then for lunch on the way back and we sat on a bench and we were just talking about Patrick and that. Um, it was really nice. Absolutely really nice. The undertaker was nice as well, Tom. Is he buried in a beautiful place? Yeah. Um, buried in a beautiful place in Curry, yeah. Is that out in the countryside amongst the mountains and the fields? Yeah, you can actually see the mountains. Like to, They look real clear to you when you're standing there. And the dedication of the doctors, the nurses, the healthcare staff, the cleaners within St. James's, you got to see that firsthand, didn't you? Oh, I did. It was amazing. I couldn't believe the support they gave me, along with my own, in my own job the, in the Granby Centre. The support I got was second to none. It was amazing. It's still available if people haven't seen it. I would recommend that they should watch the two-parter, wouldn't you? Yeah, the second part was really emotional too. The, the old lady with her husband, I was, I was really emotional with that. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't get it to keep it together for that either. You're right. It was... Um... Yeah. It was gripping, to be quite honest. It was uh, it was gripping. Yeah. And your contribution to it should be a lesson to us all. And you, this, you, you will continue to do the work you do within the centre with the people who, 
who need your help and company as well, isn't I it? I will indeed. Um, we have a, a range of different people in our centre. We have people with mental health issues, disabilities, um, the older person, um, all different range, addiction issues. It's well, a complex centre, but I love working there. Yeah, I'd say you're taking quite an amount of media calls these days, though, are you? Oh, I'm overwhelmed by the whole thing. Uh, listen, you deserve the highest praise in the land. Thank you so much for taking my call, Lisa Connolly. It's lovely catching up with you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. Just see you later. She's so lovely. If you, if you haven't seen it, her, her contribution and um, you know and the passing of uh, 97-year-old Pas- Patrick on its own is something that everybody should see if you want to see what COVID-19 is really like not being a number or a percentage of a statistic. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 086-8104-106. Call of the day today and every day this week and early next week will be a three-course meal for four with a bottle of champagne and a round of cocktails. So I would love to give something like that to Lisa, apart from the fact that we're not in the same city, but it's courtesy of ourselves and Clancy's in the heart of the city since 1824. And we'll do that between now and midday. You can book online at clancyscork.ie. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Natalie, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Well, putting up that um, that Facebook post as you did, you know, opening your heart to everybody, that must have been a very difficult thing to do and, you know, an awful, awful predicament that you find yourself in, right? Yeah, it doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like it's me. You know, you feel like it's, it's someone else that's actually going through this. Like, Well, I think it's very important to share it, you know, and let people know what's going on because... You're in a horrid situation. Can I just rewind the clock back to your beautiful yeah. family home where you were all reared by your mum and dad who have now passed yeah. away, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I am his fortune. And, and your poor old dad only passed away some weeks ago, wasn't it? Just a month. Did he pass away in the, in the family home? He did, yeah. And you were there with him? Yeah. I cared from throughout his own illness. He was sick for eight years. Of course you did, because you were with him for eight years as his carer, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. You didn't want him to go into hospice, so you didn't want him to go no, into a nursing home? No, yeah. no. Nowhere he didn't want to go, and he wants to be home, so... And was it I a tried ha- everything I could. Was it a happy home for all of you for all those years? Oh, it was. It was, of course, yeah. Now, obviously, some days <laughs> are great, but there's so many kids here. Like, there was someone baiting someone. But <laughs> Is it a big house or a small little house? It's it's three bedroom. Yeah. It's, well, I say three bedrooms, two and a half, like. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, two, box room. we used to say two bedrooms and a box room, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and my poor father was kicked into the box room many years ago over snoring, so... <laughs> uh. I know, I know. It's good to have hap- uh, it's good to have happy memories, you know. And was oh, it was yeah. it was it the the family home for forty years? It's been forty years, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, every um every single child. Well, my sister was actually my sister is forty three now, and I think she was only maybe two. I know when um when they moved in. I know. So I like know. the majority of people, well, there's a few people here that like our next door neighbor now has been here at the same time that we've been here. Like, and did so your dad? Yeah, yeah. Did your dad say that he wanted to pass away at home? Oh yeah, that was his. That was always his his wish. He never he never wanted to go into hospital or like we were kind of not lucky in some way. But he was actually 
it was only the last year that he got really sick but he was given so he was diagnosed with prostate cancer eight years ago and they gave him two years to live so obviously he like totally outlived that life and he actually wasn't in he was never hospitalised for his cancer as such you know he never had yeah. to stay in for anything the only time he actually had to stay in hospital was when he was um, he got diagnosed with diabetes and he was in there for a week so unfortunately so, of course he fought a good fight and I hope he had good quality of life reasonably good he quality he did oh he had um, yeah. yeah he was it was actually what happened to him he was actually got diagnosed with um, a second cancer um, melanoma behind the eye and yeah that was in because he was actually going up getting cataracts in Belfast and they found something behind his eye and kind of from there he kind of went like he was great not perfect but he was great up until Christmas time and how old was he? like he was only 67. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, he was great till Christmas time when he started new treatments and it just, it like, shaked up his, his bone marrow. Ah, that's tragic. And yeah. the, the the funeral and everything was in the middle of COVID, so that was very different, um, wasn't it? Yeah, that was very hard. We, like, we got him cremated and because he's originally from Belmullet and Mayo, so we're going to, that's what he told me, like he never ever talked about death. I know people don't, you know, but my father, he hated Halloween, anything that had, you know, anything like that. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just, no, he wouldn't, he would turn it over. He had to look in the coffins and anything and we never spoke about it. And then it was only, he was home. They sent him home and it was kind of a couple of weeks in and he just said it to me. that He wanted to be cremated and he to go half, to go to Mayo. And half here. I don't know. Half scattered in Mayo and we, half scattered in Yon. Even, like, we haven't even got to bury him yet. Like, he's here at home and, with me, like, and in so, his ashes. Like. So you have his ashes. You're still grieving. Yeah. 40 yeah. years in the house. Never missed rent. Probably paid the no. value of the house, as you said yourself, two or oh, three yeah. times over right, in rent. Yeah. And yeah, easily. Did the council actually physically arrive at the house? So they actually wasn't a council. It was, I don't know, whoever works for them arrived at eight o'clock um, about a week and a half ago and they just said I was too upset so my sister came down and they said that they had not even gotten a phone call not a letter they'd gotten a text from the council council to go down and change the locks on our house and to whatever just whatever with the property like seal it up or whatever they obviously didn't realise that I was inside here like but they had said that they had tried to get in contact with family. All they had to do was put a letter through the letterbox because obviously we would have still been here whether I was here or not. We would have been taking his stuff out. Like Obviously so, my mother's yeah. stuff is still here as well. Like, Yeah, so th- you didn't get in touch with her or anything? You didn't get a no, letter or a phone nothing, call? No, or no, nobody called no, around or anything as you would expect? Absolutely nothing. No, we didn't even get And then it was lovely then they sent um, a letter then because one of the TDs got in touch with council and they literally, there was no condolences, nothing after my father been attending for 40 years. There was just nothing. RIP, I think, after his name. That was it. That's what they said. And what was the letter about? Uh, the letter was, they actually didn't even put my name in it and they knew that I was there. So the letter is illegal occupiers to whom I make up just to get out. Illegal occupiers, they called you? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was. They know my name. Like They know who's here. Like, they illegal know occupiers. What, was, yeah. what else? You need to get out, is it? Yeah, basically, um, that you're illegally occupying the above um, county council. 
you're not stated on the tenancy agreement, therefore you have no right to claim or occupy this property. I'm formally giving you notice to vacate, failure to vacate the property will result in the housing authority obtaining a possession order from the district court. So, so that was a nice letter to get. And it was actually someone in a mo- uh, motorbike or something that dropped it in. Oh my God, it's so cold and heartless, isn't it's it? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just... <laughs> oh, I actually, I just don't know anymore. Like... It's 40 years in the house, all of the family reared. You've been, have you been living there for eight years? No, I haven't. Just so, coming and going? Yeah, so my my husband is originally from Ring. So I was actually on, so I would have been on the list obviously till I was about 20, I was on the rent. Then I kind of moved down to Ring for maybe a year or two. And then my dad obviously got, got diagnosed and then I became his carer. So I was here most days, like, but I might have spent maybe a day down Ring and then I could spend a night or two with my sister's. But I, like, officially, say, moved in probably, like, two two years ago. Ah, for God's sake, you've been living there for a couple of years as his carer so and carrying yeah, for eight yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I've been here non-stop. There's probably been, even when I was down in Ring, I was still coming up in the evening time, and, I'd, they'd, like, I'd be up here in the morning, I'd be here for the day, and then when yeah. my mum died, my mum died five years ago. Okay, it's the manner so, in which they handle this, like, it's just yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Even if they had, like, even calls... Even, how, even if they had called house just to sit down and have a conversation or to even ring, there was absolutely nothing like. So nothing your, bro- like. Yeah, your brother, Rory, um, he had a bad accident when he was only one and uh, yeah, he yeah, he's, is, um, he, he, he's living with aut- autism and he's cared yeah. for by the Brothers of Charity, but he comes he, he comes home for weekends and Christmas oh, yeah, and Easter home, yeah, and birthdays. Yeah, yeah. and Always also, has, always has. That's um, his home. So that's, his, that's all, like, this is all he knows, like, even say for Christmas time, if we go to my sister's house, he's fine for an hour or two, but he's anxious to come home. Like he, he can't speak. Like he can't. Now he can walk and stuff, but he can't. He can't read. He can't. How write, old is he, he now? He's thirty-seven. And that's the only home he knows when he goes this out for only, respite or yeah, goes now, home to family. Brothers of Charity are absolutely fantastic, and um, he's in Fermoy now in Castlehide, and they're just absolutely amazing. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't say but a when, bad word about but when them. He, like, but if if you are evicted or thrown out actually thrown out yeah. on your ear Where's where he where will he go they don't care about that they don't there's they actually don't like they have sent me they gave me a letter to even give to the council um, the brothers charity say, they know like it's not like I'm making it up I'm hardly going to make up all this just for what like just even more so I know people say it's just easy for me to pack up and go but it's for him like he has to have a voice like who else is going to stick up for him if I can't Rory would have been on the rent book for years and years and years even when he wasn't here my dad always wanted his name on it so if anything happens he would always have his home to come home to whoever was caring for him so it was kind of well they were saying it was in 2017 when they were doing like rent assessment thing they were looking for farms that Rory had to fill out and all this and obviously he couldn't or how he can't read and he can't write so there was a big whatever and they took off they took him off the rent book and my father wanted him to and tried to get him back on but there was all this I don't know so in the end I actually sent away I got forms I actually went down to the the, the council in Yall and I got forms last last summer and they filled them out I got everything done with the revenue everything that you need to be done to get on the rent book and and sent them away and obviously now they're saying they didn't get him, but then they're saying because I didn't follow up. But like my oh. father got worse in the last year, I didn't even that didn't even go into my head. Well, either like, they either even. they got them or they didn't. Either you sent them or they or you didn't. You say you did, then they lost it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm so and either ta- they didn't get him or they got him, and they're saying 
you know. So the proposal would the be, one. ah, yeah. Well, who knows what they did with it? But yeah, so yeah. the proposal would be that you would be thrown out, that yeah. the house would be boarded up and secured, yeah. and then probably left idle. Oh no, I'm not leaving. And you expecting them to, you know, turn the heat up on you or anything like that? I wonder. Sure. Well, I presume that they're going to get whatever a court thing and send up. They won't come themselves. Obviously, they'll just send up bailiffs or whatever and try and. But what if this is a huge? What what if it's just a huge misunderstanding and they didn't realise, you know, that they've made a mistake here and that they genuinely thought that your dad passed away and the house was empty? No. Uh, Maybe yeah, I can see that. But but still, then if it was empty you'd still kind of leave one of us know, like even just put a letter in through, you know, anything like They don't hang around on this, do they? They don't No, really. not really, no. And if, like, if you got to hold on to it, who would live in it? So me and my husband and Rory would obviously still come down every four weeks for the weekend and for... That's, 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 it's important that you have a home, I understand that, but it's really yeah. important for Rory that his yeah, routine isn't who, changed. That's what I said. I would, like, obviously... Even if we are, if I really do have to go, then he'll always have somewhere anywhere. I'll always bring him like, I'm his next of kin now, like, obviously. So it's up to me, like, to, to care for him. And to allow him to come to his family home where you were all yeah. reared, where he's yeah. comfortable and, and happy and has his routine. Yeah. And as I say, yeah. when he comes out. He's lost. Yeah, he's lost both his parents. Like, and it's hard trying to explain. They're fantastic up there trying to explain to him, but he's still... You know, like he understands, but he doesn't. Like, you know, he came down um, when my dad had died, and he came down and he went into his room and he ran back out. Like, he, you know, he's <sighs> upset. Yeah, obviously, obviously. And he, when your man came to change the locks and he saw you were there, he he just quietly went away. Yeah, that wasn't season. They're only just. It's not. It's not their fault. They're literally just. I know. I know that he's just doing a job. Yeah. But oh he, yeah, yeah. He just said sorry, and he said that they literally just got a text message, and that was it. So from from that point on, then you heard nothing till you got the letter that you're there illegally in your own um, in your own family home. No, so we got onto local TD, and she got onto them straight away, and then he sent a letter saying basically the same thing that it's. He sent an email. Sorry. That's saying the same thing that's in the letter that I got is we have no rights and I think you out. have an awful lot of rights there. It was the family home. You were all reared like, there. You never missed like the rent. I'm, it's like your it's brother's not like home. I was gone away for years and I just goes, Oh look, my dad is sick, I'll come home and pretend that I'm looking after him and I'll get a free house. It's I'm not trying to skip a queue, I'm not trying to do anything. Like I don't even if they offered me I don't want another house, like I don't want that's not what it's... Do you know, you want to move in about, there. Like. You've been there for a couple of years minding your dad. Yeah. You want to move in. Obviously, it's your own family home. Yeah. You want to be there for your brother, Rory. That's all I want. Is, I'm not asking... Like, Surely be the guy. I don't Surely. understand what the big deal is. Like, we've no problem paying rent. We've never... My dad has never missed any rent. We have no problem paying however much it is. It's like... That's no problem, like. It's not like we're sitting here just wanting to be living here for nothing, like. No, it strikes me as um, it's very disloyal to a tenant. I think actually to yeah, behave in a manner like this after forty years. You're better years. off just as I said. If I was just causing trouble, then they'd move these you years, then. I'd yeah. probably have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know? Oh, they'd move you around then. Yeah, as often I've as I've done needed. nothing. I've never been in trouble. We've never the guards have never been here. We get on with all our neighbours. Like you speak to anybody in y'all, they know what we're like. We're really close family. Like I've always been with my dad twenty four hours a day. So you must sure be, okay. yeah, fair play to you, well done. So you must be anxious then, uh, wondering what's coming yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, I am i can't, I actually, 
I'm kind of fine in the nights I'm sleeping because they're not going to come well you actually know but then it's like come 6, 7 o'clock in the morning it's just like oh my god are they bailiffs what coming the yeah. yeah what yeah. the hell is going to happen because they'd physically just take all of your stuff out of the house and yeah. put it outside the front door. That's all. That's all I'm afraid of. Like I'm, I'm right. afraid. I'm afraid to go anywhere because, like, my dad's ashes in there. So they could just lift them up and just. So are you afraid now at this point to bring the ashes to? Um, where did you say up the west was it? So, so yeah. So we're bringing it to Belmolis in Mayo. So we're meant Mayo. to be going um, in August, and then we're going to post the other half then down with my my mother and y'all. So, but I don't even know if I can go up there because if I go for three or four days they could come in there you wouldn't know you wouldn't know yeah. which certainly yeah. you haven't been given an opportunity to grieve properly listen oh, no. do you mind if we call the council just to get um, just uh, to get a response from the see if, no that would be perfect anything because see anything, if we can help no one else seems to be helping me only there's one or two councillors but that's about it like ah uh, well let's see I mean this is um, this is heartbreaking it's certainly, it's certainly very much anti-family and anti-home you know yeah, the constitution would dictate that you should be protected against this kind of it's nonsense let's crazy. Goes, I'm basically getting punished for being my dad's carer like that's absolutely and also yes. uh, he could have been in hospital and hospice and in, yeah. in all sorts of uh, nursing homes for years and years costing yeah. the state a yeah. fortune that's what and I also said. where will Rory go and when he comes out when yeah. he comes out for rest oh, sure it's insane alright yeah. Yeah. nowhere ok listen let's see what they have to say and we'll be back to you how about that perfect thank that's you so great. much for taking the call Thanks Natalie hang in there Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Natalie's situation: uh, forty years. It was the family home they were reared in there, in that house down in uh, Yall. Now we got in touch with the Cork County Council. They say that they will not comment on individual cases. We've asked the East Cork TD Pat Buckley to take a look into it for us, and he will discuss Natalie's case with us tomorrow and see if there's anything that can be done to help them out. I have a feeling that the issue with Cork County Council will be, well, I'm sorry, you're not on the rent book. And because none of you are on the rent book, you can't stay. Uh, and uh, you're not, and also you're not on a housing list. So you have to go. It strikes me that something could be done to rectify this and to reverse that decision. Um, but Cork County Council say they will not comment on individual cases. That doesn't surprise me, but it isn't to say that things can't be done to try and sort this out, um, you know, Let's see what we can do in this regard. And Pat Buckley has said he will certainly take a look into it. Now, I know the family that are on the radio now. I went to school with one of the girls, one of the nicest, quietest families in the world. They do not deserve this to happen. Best of luck to the girls, particularly during the grieving process. Now, the council may say, may say well, as far as we were concerned, there was one man living in the house. He died and the house and tenancy comes back to the council. We didn't know of the circumstances of his death or the fact that his daughter was his carer in the home. I'm a neighbour of one of Christie's uh, daughters, and that man was so good to his children and to all of his grandchildren. He would have done anything for them. Uh, good God, what a pack of B, I won't say the word, to do this to a family. I- illegal after 40 years. The council have no problem housing wasters in houses, even in private estates. That interview makes me so, so furious. We'll pick it up in the morning when you can text 0868104106 and let us know what's on your mind. Please tell Lisa Connolly, who was the carer for Patrick up to the age of 97, please tell her that she's the most caring, loving person I've ever had the pleasure of seeing. I cried buckets watching Patrick and Lisa on the RTE show. Wouldn't it be lovely to leave this earth with someone like Lisa talking and singing to you? 
Bless you, Lisa, for your loving nature. Another one here. Lisa is a gem, a national treasure. It was a heartbreaking story. Well, I agree with you there. And what was the name of the lullaby that Lisa played on her phone after Patrick had died? Well, my understanding of the name of the tune is Tura Lura Lura, an Irish lullaby. I think maybe maybe Bing Crosby sang it years and years ago in an old kind of Kamali kind of a Yankee movie that they used to do about the Irish, but he might have been a priest, I think, in the film. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Undoubtedly, somebody out there will know, and you'll get in touch and let me know. Now, I had hoped to talk to Monty today from Clancy's to see how it's going and see how the city's going and how Princess Street is going, but I've run out of time, and my apologies for that. They also opened the roof garden there, which is incredible. That's a real winner for them. But every day... For the rest of this week and indeed early next week, we have one a day to do five in total. Three three course meals for four people with a bottle of Moet champagne and a round of cocktails. This is worth over 300 euro per prize. You can use them whenever you want, match days. You can sit back and enjoy the match and have food and drinks or whatever the case may be. Or any event, they'll give you your own private booth right in the heart of Clancy's, all right? You can book directly at Clancy's, www.clancyscork.ie. So for the call of the day today, undoubtedly Annette, who shared her story on her battle with the insurance company after she was the victim of that crash. She also suffered with uh, PTSD um, since uh, that incident, and she spoke also very openly about her cancer fight with thyroid and then very sadly the loss of her daughter Molly Ann among other things. We covered a lot of ground uh, and I would have spoken at further length with her but I just didn't have the time at this point but we may come back and speak to her in the future but thank you for being so open uh, and sharing Annette and uh, we're going to give you today's prize three course meal for you and three of your friends whomever you choose to take with you make it a family event if you want bottle of champagne round of cocktails or you and three of your pals just to get out to Clancy's and uh, we'll sort out the date and time that suits. Lines will stay open for all of the business on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.